some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. Know they won, but I'm I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all. But I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays, and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Oh, yeah. I'm a dancer to the king. Dan Aguirre, how are you, my friend? I'm okay. It would be better if the mic were on, Dan. Let's go. <laughs> you know one thing I want to bitch about to start off the show immediately? So I didn't watch the Bears in real time Saturday because of my work schedule. Mm -hmm. So I watched them much later in the day, uh, around midnight Eastern. And I'd already somehow figured out by accident that they had won. So I knew they had won. I had no idea what else was going on. Mm -hmm. And the first tweet that I see at some point was like Adam Hogue with the, you know, super, the Bears win, Super Bowl, Super Bears it just fucking pisses me off, man. Every time that there's something positive with the Bears, that everyone's got to be so fucking facetious. Mm-hmm. It's always one of the beat writers. And look, you know what? I, I I was a big fan of their show when it first started. When they they used to number all their episodes, like number eighty two, the Alan Page episode, yeah, right? You know, Fifty one, the but Dick Butkus. But man, they they just fucking hate their lives, dude. He t- he tweeted something out Sunday about being at one of the baseball games. I guess it was the White Sox game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And about like how unhappy he was to be at the game. Like, you've got all this fucking access. And they talk about how Johns takes a vacation to avoid doing some of the the preseason coverage. Like, God, they're, if, if Karen was a man, if Karen transitioned to a fucking man, he would be Adam. Adam Hogue or Adam Johns. They both fucking whine about their jobs constantly. And I know Hogue's got a child that's got, you know, problems. And I don't want to like, you know, he he, he has a, a life outside of his work and he may be a great dad and all that. I'm not saying any of that. But mm-hmm. in terms of his professional life, 
why is he why are they always complaining about the job that they have when everybody else would kill for it you're absolutely right it's it's the dream job for uh just about any uh sports fan uh they've got incredible access they get to watch sports for a living get paid well and they they moan and groan about it i um i wish they would you know sit back and count their blessings and um but I, I, I'm totally with you. And it's weird. I was a big fan of that podcast, too. And then at a certain point, they started to loosen up a little bit and talk a little bit more like their regular selves. And that's when I became less and less interested in the show. <laughs> I, I don't know why. You know, it's not like they're boring guys. But Adam Johns has always kind of... Uh, made the impression on me like he's this kind of North Shore uppity guy. And uh, I grew up in Chicago's inner city and we, you know, we never really much liked these hoity-toity guys. And Hogue, I always thought was a super cool guy, but maybe Olin Krutz was right. (laughs) (laughs) I won't go there, but yeah. It just really made me mad. (laughs) Just the tweet out that he was at the game and how fucking unbearable it was for him to be at the game. Like, dude, don't go to the game then. Yeah, exactly. Get another job. You want to fucking, you know, uh, sell insurance? You want? You want? I've got to work sixteen hours. Like, I got to work midnight to four p.m. at nine one one. As soon as the four hours at radio ends. So, Mm -hmm. how about that? Come work twenty hours with me. (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) I mean. Not that I'm some hero or something, but goddamn, at least I enjoy the. And th- these guys are supposed to be Bears fans before this, if you hear them speak. Right, right. I mean, I get it if like they weren't from the Chicago area and they just sort of moved there, and maybe they grew up 49er fans or something, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I gotta cover the Bears." Mm-hmm. But they're supposedly Bear fans. Yeah, you know, uh, back when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup in 2010, uh, Patrick Kane scored the game-winning goal, and, or it wasn't the Stanley Cup Finals, but it was a huge game to advance them. Patrick Kane did something special, had a special game, and Adam Johns brought up uh, like minutes afterwards. You know, this is huge that this guy who was. Uh, you know, had so many problems in his past, you know, being with hookers and in a limousine and so forth. So I tweeted back. Are you talking about me or Patrick Kane? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and so I tweeted back saying, you know, this is kind of bad timing that this guy's greatest moment in his career, maybe his life, and you, you're bringing that up. And so we went back and forth a little bit. And then Adam Hogue jumps in and says, I agree with Adam Johns. And it's funny that you would be telling us what to tweet when we've been, when we've both covered the Blackhawks before for years. And I, I was so fucking offended by that, by that. So I can't comment on what you are tweeting because you guys covered the Blackhawks and I haven't. So I tweeted back and said, you know what? I got 35 fucking years of a broadcast experience, including two Emmys. So I think my opinion might have some uh, validation. And if I didn't have that back on, it still wouldn't fucking matter. I got so fucking pissed off at at those guys. But yeah, that is a very, very condescending response. Yeah, isn't it? So in any case, that was that was Johns. And who was the other one? Uh, Hogue then Hogue was doing the Blackhawks then too. That's what he said, uh, according to this tweet. So, no matter Hogue doesn't have any joy, none, and it shows. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully, 
everything. I is, know he has a special needs child, yeah, though. That's got to take a lot of work and a lot yeah. of patience. And he has, I hope everything's well at the house. But I mean, Absolutely. like I said, professionally, man, he's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But they've rubbed my nuts raw, you know. <laughs> I uh, I want to get your impressions on the game. So you watched it on replay uh, on recording after you were done working. Yeah, well, I was still at work, but things died down, and I didn't know what happened yet. So even though it wasn't live, it was kind of like being live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So because I knew nothing about the game whatsoever, other than the Bears had won, I didn't know the score either. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the initial thing that kind of ju- got me out of my fucking chair with excitement was that catch by Sharp. Yeah. That one-hander. I don't know if he's left-handed, but he caught it left-handed mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Again, if he's right-handed and caught that one-handed with his left hand, mm-hmm. that makes it even more amazing, unless he's ambidextrous. But mm-hmm. like to me, my left hand, I mean, the only thing I'm good at my left hand is like rubbing a, a lady's clit. I, I'm really good like that. <laughs> I can, my hand can do it can do it both ways but other than that my left hand like does nothing it's just mm-hmm. it's, my left hand's got special needs i guess but, <laughs> so for him to catch the ball one-handed left-handed the way he did mm-hmm. that was amazing like the i don't want to say like one catch get a guy on the team but goddamn maybe yeah like that was amazing yeah it uh it was amazing and you know luke getsy said uh earlier this week that he had to have a talk with Tajay because he made a couple of mistakes in practice and reminded, Hey, this is your chance, man. This is an opportunity for you to show us what you got, get your head in the game. And so he was so happy that Tajay has had, had good practices after that. And then it showed on the football field this week. And it's, it's a bummer. I said this on our debate show yesterday. If you did, if anyone missed the debate show with Mr. Shorty and Swift from the Swift sports network, you really should check it out. Those guys were fantastic, but I mentioned it yesterday. It's, it's a shame that we're dealing with players that you got to remind them. This is a fucking fantastic opportunity. Go out there and do it. So hopefully he's got his head uh, screwed on right and he'll continue to play well because he's desperately needed on this team, that big target. How old is he? You know, I want to say he's 26. Um, so he's so he, young. He's yeah, young. Yeah. I, I, what's his name? Gabriel is a big fan of his. I just, he's been talking him up. Tajay A.E. Sharp age. Um, 27. Still, I mean, he's, he's young then. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that I came away with, and again, I knew who he was. I don't have everyone's name memorized yet because it's it, it's still it's one preseason game. Once I see a regular season game, it kind of sticks with me. Mm-hmm. But the back who's wearing Salam's number thirty one, yeah, trust the six round was he a six round pick? I think uh, uh, he came in after uh, he was the second back in. He was super impressive. He was yeah. our, our draft pick. I thought he looked tremendous. I think he was returning kicks earlier in the game. Yeah, he but he got so yeah he got some time in the backfield and he just looked great, man. So. Uh, you figure if Montgomery's number one and, and, and he's the third, I mean, that the quote unquote running back room looks good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, that running back room is loaded with talent. And uh, I'm hoping to just get the offensive line squared away so that the, these guys can get holes to run through. You know, that's the, the biggest issue. All of this turmoil with the offensive line and now Tevin Jenkins is moving inside. Uh, what did you, what was your impression of that whole thing with Tevin? You know, I, 
the right guard that we brought in was so bad. And it was only one preseason game, at least when I saw him playing. And I, I think it was Borum too. Again, I, I wasn't taking notes. I was trying to watch this as a fan, not as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, I'm coming to break the film down or some shit. You know, I'm just trying to enjoy it. Sure. And the right side of the line looked really fucking awful. It looked like last season. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Borum and what's his name? Schofield that they signed. Yes. And I was really unhappy with the right side of the line every time, but it was early in the game. Maybe, maybe it got worked out, but early on, I was like, you know, this, this needs something. I don't know what it needs, but it needs something now. And if you're telling me Jenkins may play right guard. Okay. I mean, I'm glad they're trying something because whatever they, they practiced up to last week and they got to play again Thursday. Mm -hmm. it, It didn't work. Right. It didn't work, and I don't think KC was coming at us like full speed, like it was the Super Bowl, obviously, and and they were just getting overwhelmed, man. It was it was very shocking to me. I'll tell you about Tevin Jenkins playing that right guard position. He could remind us of Kyle Long at that position, you know, big and uh, a mean a streak and uh, athletic, not quite as athletic. <laughs> Someone says I sound like Alf. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I don't see you. that, Joe Deville. I don't hear that. I should say <laughs> it's funny though. Alf was from Mail Mac. Is that right? Mail Mac wasn't that the planet he was from? Oh, that's right. I never really watched the show. I saw highlights, and I see he was a big sensation in the '80s. But I, I, I didn't. I never sat down and watched. Fucking Alf hell. loved to eat cats, but was that a euphemism for adults? <laughs> if so, maybe I am more like Alf because I enjoy <laughs> eating the ladies. That's right. Dan has a, a particular uh, appetite that. Uh, <laughs> you know that episode of The Sopranos where in the first season it becomes so big of a deal because Tony told everyone that Junior liked to eat pussy. Like Junior, everyone lost respect for him and they were making fun of him. And it led to the climax of the end of season one, all of it about eating pussy. It's just like, I was just like, damn, if, if everyone had said, well, Dan likes to eat pussy, I'd been like, yeah. <laughs> and obviously Junior liked to do it, but it turned into like the whole, the precipice for the season. All the tension was over eating pussy in season one. Yeah, that when I was a kid, that was a big uh, subject too. I'll, I'll never eat pussy. I, I just won't eat it. Uh, after I've got my dick in there, and there's no way I'm gonna eat pussy after my dick's been. It's like, come on, people grow up. Yeah, I mean, do you like women? I like women. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want to like just enjoy the woman's body? I don't, okay, whatever. But let me ask you this: Have you been uh, indulging on anything uh, lately? No, no, I've been bit too busy this weekend for sure. Like uh, I've already worked. <laughs> I worked 16 hours at there. Uh, 24 hours over the weekend at 911. Sorry. And it's only, was it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. I, all in all, I've got uh, 92 hours this week. Yeah. This is the only show in the bar room where we're supposed to talk about football in 15 minutes and we're talking about eating pussy. <laughs> Somebody says push it, pussy is delicious, at least the ones you're supposed to eat. Yeah. I agree with that. You I've know? got a meme that I send sarcastically to people. And again, I don't want to sound indifferent or, um, like I'm like I don't have empathy or again. If I, I am behind the Black Lives Matter movement, is what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. it's got the same iconic lettering, but it says "Clean Pussy Matters." <laughs> <laughs> what 
when you come to Chicago, don't wear that around my house again. <laughs> I will not. I will not. But uh, so we're talking Tevin Jenkins moving to guard. Yes. So I was comparing him. Now, is that a fact? Well, he uh, practiced there yesterday and today, and it looks like he'll get snaps there on Thursday. So uh, given the way Schofield looked in his first game, and of course, it's just the first game. He's a veteran. He probably will get better as time goes on. But I I think that a lot of people have been saying, I know that Danny Shimon here at the barroom has been saying he cannot play tackle. He's a guard. And so I think that now they're taking a serious look at him because of the need and because, you know, he's quite capable of playing that position. And I think that he could look like a Kyle Long, not as athletic. Kyle Long was a freak athlete. There's no doubt about it, but there is no doubt. Cody White here was saying that today that he is capable of, blocking at the line of scrimmage, and then getting to that second level in a hurry and laying down blocks against these smaller, quicker guys. So I think that's his position. I will be shocked if Tevin Jenkins is not the starting right guard uh, based on performance because I, I think he just might be – maybe he might even be, by the end of the season, the best offensive lineman the Bears have at that right guard position. I think if you put him at the tackle and stuff, that, that that might be questionable. So all of a sudden, this Bears offensive line goes from being questionable and worrisome to being something special. Because if you believe in Braxton Jones at the left tackle and you can scheme to hide some of his imperfections as a rookie, and then Cody Whitehair is more than serviceable, veteran left guard. He makes his mistakes every once in a while, but nonetheless. And then Lucas Patrick is now your center. We know that he knows this offense as well we as hope. he feels. Yes. And then you have Jenkins at right guard, and then you even have the veteran Riley Reef at right tackle, which is his best position, or you got the other young guy, Larry Borum, at right tackle, and we hope to see him at right tackle on Thursday. Man, if if it's Reef on the bench as the swing tackle, you're talking about a whole new offensive line with the exception of White here, and the majority of them being guys who could be your offensive linemen for the next five to ten years. That uh, is is pussy delicious. <laughs> it, it looks like uh, it's Braxton's job to lose on the left. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and I would think that he would have to have a just a, a an abysmal performance to lose it. So I'm thinking the veteran's going to play right tackle. Mm -hmm. uh, unless Borum has two great games here because he struggled, obviously, on, on uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. he, he uh, Borum, say, uh, you say Borum struggled on Saturday? I don't know how well he played when he got moved to the left side later in the game, but on the right side early in the game, they were both just awful from my estimation. But again, I'm not trying to break down film and tell you that I'm some fucking expert. Mm -hmm. Just from a fan sitting in his chair – Watching it on TV, I'm like, my God, the right side is just getting eaten up. Mm -hmm. And that's when it was Schofield and Borum, to the best of my recollection. I thought both guys, at least in that first quarter, uh, seemed to be struggling mightily. Uh, we just had Eduardo, I think it was, said that Tevin admitted that his back has been acting up. I suspect oh, it was no. a back problem. But I, I hadn't heard anything official of Tevin Jenkins admitting he, his back was acting up again. But I am worried about that. You know, at college, it's rookie season, and if it's hurting again. If he's had a surgery it, already, and he's a young man. Yeah. Uh, if that's the case, then, oh, my gosh. Um, 
he, he may not have any trade value. Uh, and Schofield may be your right guard. <laughs> Schofield, yeah. I, I don't, man. Oh, then all of a sudden it starts from looking rosy to fucking looking like a dead plant. So uh, um, that would be, uh, what is the Bears tackle draft picks and back injuries? What is it? With, oh, what is it with? Yeah. Uh, uh, come on in here, Tooch, and, and, and express yourself. Let me uh, put up a different picture of my man, Dan. Or as Nomad would say, Ron Jeremy. <laughs> I forgot to put uh, Tucci's head on, on this picture. Oh, I really not need to put Tucci's head. I just need to change his name. <laughs> Tucci, you want to jump in? There I am. There I am. Where's Dan, though? Dan is going to come. I usually along. like to give his picture a little smooch. <laughs> Dan is a topper. <laughs> so what is it with the Bears tackle and draft picks and back injuries? Yeah, we got a long yeah, history. Well, you and Dan can talk about that for hours. Right. I it's some you know uh, unfortunate uh curse or coincidence or whatever it is <laughs> was was Chris Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. uh, 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 well, didn't Gabe Karimi also have some kind of back injury as well? Was I it think? a back injury or, or I think, I think it was a knee injury. Was it? I, I thought it was a back injury, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, and, and, and now Tevin Jenkins is just, uh, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not ideal. I, I don't know what, it, what it is. Is it the bears? I mean, mm-hmm. the bear, by all accounts, Greg Gable says how good the bears medical staff is, right? Mm-hmm. As I said, to just miss it. But uh, uh, like uh, Dan was saying, the Bears' right side of the line struggle. But man, a, a lot of a lot of offensive lines struggle with uh, number ninety-five on the Chiefs. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. a beast. Yeah, talk, talk about Chris Jones. You know, is it safe to say that um, if the Chiefs starters stayed in the whole game, <laughs> the Bears probably wouldn't have won that game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was, you know, once uh, once the the chief starters went out, you know, I mean, I like the Bears' depths and stuff. A lot of players stuck out. I'm sure Dan made a list of which players he liked, but it, you know, the offensive line, which I thought was kind of going to be a strength, you know, now it's starting to show some injury. A Doug Kramer went out for the year. Arguably, didn't look very well. Didn't look very. What was good. his injury? I didn't see that. They just they listed it as a lower leg injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Cliff Victoria's got uh, possible list Frank injury, which you know that's never. Good. I saw they signed somebody today as well. Did you see that? Yeah, they signed a, uh, some guy from uh, Tulane. Uh, defensive lineman, I think. Right? No, no, it's a. Uh, no, he's center. an offensive lineman. Right? Offensive yeah. lineman. Okay, he was good. in. He 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 tried out with the Steelers and Bears uh, during OTAs. It uh, wasn't signed then, and I think that because of the Liz Frank injury to Kramer, the rookie Kramer, that's why they brought him back in. Corey Dublin. Corey Dublin is indeed his name. It, like I said last week, Sam Mustafer is the luckiest motherfucker on the, on the team. My gosh, <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna uh, back his way into a roster spot because they got no fucking choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, he's probably out for the season, and, and which is you know yeah. not the end of the world for for Kramer because he's the type of guy he was a kind of a roster bubble player probably would have been put into the practice squad. So put him on IR and then stash him away and let him come back next season uh, and, and fight for a job. Cause he, he's got some promise. Uh, he was put on IR. Yeah. So um, 
that's it for him. He'll probably be out all season. You know, like uh, uh, Chris Jones made a lot of our linemen look look pretty silly in that game. Just, mm-hmm. It's just a monster. Yeah. The, the I, thing I hated, I, and I know we're playing the vanilla, oh, you don't know what we're doing defense because uh, we don't want San Francisco to see us on tape, which is crazy because everyone knows what to expect with, with this style of defense at this point because it's been around 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I know they're not really doing much, but still to let Mahomes go straight. To, and I know, I know he's Patrick Mahomes. I get it. For fuck's sake. But I was disappointed. And, and I know the defense didn't have all the starters in, but still, it just looks so easy for KC to go straight down the field without much of a fight. And that was the only thing at the time. I was like, God damn, some things just never change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there watching. It doesn't matter about the personnel, who it is. It's just like the defense just, they love to start the game and give up seven. And then the Bears went three and out, right? After, when they got the ball. So, yeah, when after those. Yeah, because Fields got hit on third down. So, yeah. after that, those first two series, I, I was saying the same thing. Oh, shit. Is this going to be a replay of the same old Bears uh, defense that uh, immediately, you know, bends and breaks? <laughs> and then uh, and then an offense that, you know, doesn't do anything. But I, I saw enough Saturday to be encouraged. I'm not willing to. Uh, start proclaiming playoffs but uh I you can be that. sarcastic and say super bears super bowl like adam hogue <laughs> like you can't have anything positive without having to be an asshole you know <laughs> um but I, I you know i do see a lot of good things but everything rests on justin fields right everything rests on and he looked good and and he did have his moments. There were a couple of moments where things weren't great, but that one moment that Olin Krutz brought out in in that uh, tweet, where he was in his own, uh, backed up in his own side of the field, and he sees that the defense is playing one on one, he motions to the tight end to come in and pick up the blitzer, and you see uh, I forgot who the tight end was at the time. Uh, He moves two steps towards the line of scrimmage, and he does pick up the blitz. He points over at Tajay Sharp, and then snap, he hits Tajay on that beautiful pass on the sideline. Tajay makes a great catch. On third down. Uh, On On third third down. down. That, as Olin Krutz properly said, that is progress. And so that's the type of progress we'll see in those first five, six, seven plays. I think that that's about all they're going to play, according to – uh, the Chicago Bears uh, reporters. This is Courtney Cronin of ESPN talking on the Waddle and Silver, Sylvie show about uh, playing time for these starters. I tend to think they will probably use th- the third preseason game to get a better evaluation of what that first team unit looks like, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, because you really need a quarter of action in order to do that. And I can fully understand and empathize with why they wouldn't want to do that with such little time in between when they last played and then having to pack up, go across the country and and play this Thursday night game. Because Courtney, I was going to say that you have an offensive line that's a work in progress and you could give us more on the news on Tevin Jenkins working with the ones inside at right guard. But to me, that line is going to be so vital to protect Justin Fields. They need reps. They barely hit in in uh, practice. So they're to get some cohesion going into that first game against a really good San Francisco team, they're going to need some reps, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and you could even hear with Luke Getze yesterday, he was talking about you know, Justin needs to play. Like, 
it's all going to come together as long as he's out there playing and the repetition and doing it constantly. That stuff matters, and it matters for him. It matters for the offensive line. It matters for a lot of different positions. But I I think with that O-line group, you know, the fact that we saw Tevin Jenkins move inside to right guard, we saw Larry Borum get most of the reps at right tackle today, um, you know, that probably points to Riley Reef not playing this week. I mean, yeah. I guess you can say, well, he's with a new team. He should, you know, they got to gel and all that. Like, Reef's a 10 plus year veteran. Like, there's anybody that I think you would be okay with not having him play in preseason games. It's probably a guy like that who did have the ankle injury last year. He says he's fully healthy. Obviously, he's been practicing and playing, so he should be. But all that aside, I do think that this unit is going to need to play a lot, and I would fully anticipate Tevin Jenkins getting the bulk of those right guard reps, as we saw the last two days, because he needs it. Like, he has not played this position, and when Matt Eberflus talked about it today, you know, he said just kind of like his philosophy on, hey, Tevin Jenkins hasn't played right guard much. Uh, what are you going to do to make kind of put him in the line for success? And when you don't put a ceiling on a guy and you just kind of let them, like, go and grow with it and not – have them on, you know, some sort of pitch count. Like, let him play as much as you need and he needs to play in order to know he's confident and competent at playing the position. Like, the guy is potentially, you know, competing because he was with the ones today in place of Michael Schofield. But there is a legitimate competition brewing at right guard. So, in order to solve that question that you have at the position, you've got to see the guy play, and he just hasn't done it much, certainly has not done it at all in the NFL at that position. So, would anticipate a lot of reps for someone like that on Thursday. I bet if Riley's not playing in the preseason, he's basically already been given the starting job. You think so? I don't think so. I think well, if he was competing, don't you think he would at least in the third game he'd play virtually the whole game, right? I, I yeah, I, I would say at least a half. You know, this whole now three preseason games is a new paradigm of, of thinking. I like the idea of holding your starters to play at least a half on that third preseason game because there's still two weeks before the start of the season. So you got a long layoff. I'd hate to have the starters play a lot in game two of the preseason and then basically sit an entire month until they get out there for contact. So do you think maybe the the lack of playing time that's allegedly going to happen Thursday is a result of the game being like two within one week? That has a hell of a lot to do with it. In fact, uh, Iberflus talked about that at practice. So he's working hard at protecting the bodies of these guys. And I know, like, for instance, Braxton Jones played, uh, a, a, like you said, a, a commendable game on Saturday. And then the, the next practice, he's up against Quinn, and Quinn beats him badly on two consecutive snaps. Well, I told Greg Graber today, maybe that has to do with the fact that here he is in pads again, you know, just two days uh, after uh, playing uh, almost a, more than a half, I, I want to say, on Saturday. And and Quinn didn't play at all, so he's super fresh. Uh, right. Gabriel said, don't worry about it. He's learning from those uh, snaps against Quinn. And he Quinn's a good player. Fantastic. There's no shame in getting beaten by Robert Quinn. That's exactly what Greg said, and, and indeed. So, um the whole thing with, um, you know, allocating playing time, we're going to see a lot of rookies and guys fighting for roster spots on Thursday against Seattle, and I'm fine with that. I just want to see all of those guys make it really, really tough for the Chicago Bears to make decisions 
come uh, cut time. The other big storyline this Thursday night is Kyler Gordon. He's coming back. Uh, and uh, you know, because he's had he's had to sit out a couple of weeks with an injury. He talked to the media, and he said on Saturday when he was on the sidelines, he was like itching to get in. Uh, I would just say like I, I was just itching to, to go out and be out there. Um, it just looks so fun, honestly. I'm like, oh, like I just I wish I was playing right now. Like you know, just waiting to go out there. So um, it was just it was just cool to like see the. Saw the players out there, the people that I know, people I used to watch when I was in college and uh, middle school, and just be like, "Damn, like, I'm here! Like it's you know, like it's time. You know, I'm ready to like to, to do this stuff." So like, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm super psyched for Kyler Gordon. I'm yeah, and he gets to play in Washington State. Isn't that where he played ball? That's indeed. Uh, he's gonna have a lot of family there, so that's a reason. Another reason why he's super psyched to make his NFL debut yeah. uh, in Seattle. Go ahead, Tooch. That's Washington, University of Washington. It's in Seattle. That's where he played, indeed. Uh, You know, again, you know, I'm feeling feeling good. Uh, Another positive thing is these two first draft picks, uh, Brisker and Gordon, could go down in Bears history as two of the, you know, two guys that were selected. uh, Like Mike uh, Brown and Erlacher together. Yeah, Brown and Erlacher. And not maybe, you know, Sayers and Butkus, but, you know, in that in that conversation of draft picks picked right after one another that are great, great players, uh, hopefully, unlike uh, <laughs> hopefully they don't, they get to go to a championship game, unlike uh, Butkus and Sayers. But yeah, uh, that's, I'm excited. The, again, the Bears, you put the Butkus, Sayers, you know, Cutler, players that I mean, I'm not trying to put Jay in, in theirs, but I mean, the guys that had talent that they just like didn't know what to do with. <laughs> The Bears are like the only team in the league that couldn't have taken Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers not been in one, at least one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The best player on offense and the best player in defense, or at least it early on before injuries, in the league. Yep. On both sides of the ball. It was an era of Bears football where Hallis, you know, did that great thing of picking these two players and, and making, you know, all sorts of furtive moves to secure those guys. Cause the, the AFL had their own draft and they were vying for those players and Hallis did a great job, but Hallis did a terrible job of picking a coaching staff and uh, could not get the best. And there were other player moves back in that era that did not support having those two great players. But I want to get to the St. Omni thing because St. Omni is in the, chat room and he has been soliciting for kyler gordon to call him and so forth Tooch has done a tremendous <laughs> investigative job of trying to find out who the fuck is saint omni what did you find out i got the only picture although oh wow i found the picture online of saint omni oh <laughs> <laughs> you can see why roquan roquan chose him yeah, because he's a very fashionable guy. He's got that NFL medallion, and uh, he's, he's looking pretty sharp. The Saint Omni guy. <laughs> does Dan uh, know? Does Dan know what we're talking about? Or? Is that the new agent who's not an agent who's representing him? <laughs> this Allegedly, is, right? Although, <laughs> and now we've got tampering, and I mean, I, I was talk about Roquan doing Roquan things, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, every every week, I get I get more material from Roquan. <laughs> you and I talked about this before the show about how I'm kind of like done with Roquan. I'm kind of like let's just trade mm-hmm. him. You know, I was I mean, 
he he released a statement three hours before Family Fest, you know, <laughs> that he demanded a trade. What did he said? He said, uh, the organization doesn't value me here, refused to negotiate in good faith. And the focus of the Bears has been on trying to take advantage of me. So that, that probably made for a fun family fest, although. <laughs> yes. Stranami <laughs> well, is uh, not happy with the uh, use of that picture. He says it's at least two years old. So, <laughs> and, and now you got two holdouts. I mean, he really is in the category now of an enigma, whether yeah. he wants to be or not. Perfect yeah. word. Perfect word. You know, and I, you got to love the play of Roquan Smith, but you got to question, you know, his decision making uh, at at some very high levels. Tooch is of the opinion that it's time to move and just start working the phones, find out what you can get for him. I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to give up well, on him. Go ahead, Tooch. Let, let, let me let me just pose one thing because because I, I think we're very close to seeing Roquan Smith play the minimum six games this mm -hmm. season you know mm -hmm. and uh it, it, would your mind change a little bit if uh you know that's his intention to hold out for the first 11 weeks and just you know get credit for his season you know play six games probably maybe if he held up for 11 games i just wouldn't play him i would john gruden that motherfucker remember well, that, john gruden? you have the Who same situation next year then too but what's what i'm saying remember gruden uh wouldn't play it was it Keyshawn? Uh, that he just was like, fuck it. You, I'm not even going to play you. You're inactive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I would, if he's going to hold out and try to come back in week 12 or whatever, I'd be, we've made it this far without you. I wouldn't even play. Yeah. They haven't fined him yet though. To be fair, the bears, like, like Cliff says, they haven't fined. Well, they, publicly, they haven't said anything about a fine, you know? Uh, so maybe something is going on behind the scenes where they started to, discipline him he is off the pup list so he is eligible to be fined but i i say this if he's gonna play hardball like that play the season and then after that come up with some mysterious illness or injury you know i can't play and the doctors check him out and they say he can play then all of a sudden pose has to be a dick start finding him he looks like derrick rose if, if he can play and he says he's hurt Oh my gosh! Don't remind me of those days. That was so frustrating. <laughs> um, but well, then, B.J. Armstrong said he couldn't play, Aldo. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, good, good old B.J. Did, but did Roquan lose? Like when he released his statement, did he lose public sympathy at all? Do you think, Aldo? Dan? Yes, I think so. I mean, uh, Ill Will was a part of. Uh, he's he's a member of the Three Kings podcast, right. and um, he called out Roquan. And uh, I, I fully expected uh, him and everybody else to express <laughs> pro Roquan sentiment, but it was totally different on that show when we debated it in the chat room comments and so forth. And Ilwell very eloquently talked about Roquan being a dick regarding this. And yeah. how long have I been saying Roquan doing Roquan things? Yeah, you've been saying it a while. Sure, a couple months. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. How do you feel about this, Dan? Do you feel like uh, Poles should pick up the phone and start trying to unload him? I would still like to see a deal done and then just put the shit in the rear view and then just never have to unearth it again. Because uh, you think if they sign him to a new deal, he certainly wouldn't be around for a third one. So he wouldn't have a third uh, holdout. They would uh, let him go at that juncture. But, I mean, if you told me they were going to trade him, I could understand why. 
But I, I, I guess I just hope he's there for San Francisco. I, I, I know he's not going to play in Cleveland, or obviously not in Seattle. So maybe it, you know, at Soldier Field versus San Francisco on September 11th. That's still my goal, and it sounds like Ryan Poles at least last week that was his goal too. Although, yeah, did you get a call from Saint Omni? He had to disappear for a second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Saint Omni said we need to talk. <laughs> But check this out, guys, before we go on any further talking about Roquan. Andrew Brandt, uh, you guys should know the name. He was the, I think, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers. So take what he says here about uh, Roquan, or I should say about the Bears, with, uh, you know, knowing that he's probably not a, a fan of the Chicago Bears organization. But he pretty much defended Roquan on this and spoke about how Roquan was handling this. This is about uh, almost four minutes long. Uh, 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 he was on, on the radio today. I want to say it was, uh, well, let's just take a look at the graphic. It'll tell us what station he was on. I'm curious, when you look at this this Roquan, Clearly, <laughs> WCR, Bernstein, and uh, Home Show. I'm curious, when you look at this, this Roquan Smith situation from afar, what do you see? Well, I think generally what I see is something that I didn't deal with in my 10 years at the Packers, this new strategy, relatively new, past couple of years called hold-ins. And I'm looking at hold-ins as more advantageous for players than hold-outs. Hold-outs that I did deal with at the Packers were more out of sight, out of mind. If the player's not there, we don't think about them. And we move on, and if he shows, he shows, and of course they always did hold-ins where you have a player that is not participating and waiting for a contract upgrade creates pressure on a front office. And I think that strategy has worked, starting with Jalen Ramsey three years ago in Jacksonville, T.J. Watt last year, and three receivers this year, Deontay Johnson, Debo Samuel, and D.K. Metcalf. Now, I expected it to work for Smith. He's the best player there on defense, maybe the best player on the team. You figure they're going to adjust his contract in a way that's suitable for him. And it was going to happen. And then we realized the strategy is not working because the contract negotiation is not working. Because Smith, and we can talk about the lack of agent in a minute, has felt, I don't know what word is, a little bit... Um, aggrieved? Aggrieved and bamboozled by the offer because when I dealt with agents, you know, they would call me out and say, you know, this is not the right offer because we need this. We need that. Players always want more cash early in the contract because that's the low risk years. And of course, it sounds like the Bears have backloaded this deal. And then it comes out that they've offered de-escalators which is something you do for a player coming off an injury, a down-the-line player. You don't do that for a star. And it makes the Bears look bad, at least in my community of people that know this business. So we don't know, again, how this contract was really structured, what kind of advice Smith is getting, but the hold-in strategy did not work here, and it's obviously created some hard feelings. You mentioned in your newsletter that you've seen the Bears negotiate with this hardline stance before. But the truth is, this is the first go-round for Ryan Poles. How does that raise the stakes of not just the eventual outcome 
but how ruffled feathers get and what gets into the player and agent bloodstream about how this business is done. Yeah. I mean, quickly, one of my mentors in the business was an agent that dealt a lot with the Bears, actually, named Eugene Parker. And he untimely passed away a few years ago. And I told his wife, I will help your sons as they enter the agent business, because that's important to me to give back because Eugene was so good to me. And Brandon Parker represented Alan, or represents Alan Robinson. So I was helping with that. And you know, it just seemed to me the Bears were not willing to meet the market. Um, the market was established at that time, eight, 19, 20, $21 million a year, and they weren't willing to go there. So I've seen that. And as you said, now we have a new administration. So it just seems odd to me, guys, that if this is true, they would negotiate with these kind of issues. I don't know the inside linebacker market that well, but we can easily establish whatever that top market is, Smith should be there. And I'm sure that top market doesn't have de-escalators and doesn't have backloaded deals like what he's suggesting. See, well, if I could comment on that. Please, jump in. Adam Schefter had an article, and again, I'm not Adam's biggest fan, but you'd have to think he has a lot of stroke and credibility. Is that agreed? Absolutely. Adam Schefter, four days ago, I retweeted his tweet, or a correction, NBCSports.com did a story based upon his tweet, mm-hmm. and the headline was, Schefter, Bears front office has played, quote, played nice with Ra- Roquan Smith. So he was saying that all this other shit was nonsense. So I don't know why that's kind of been ignored and everyone's still talking about the de-escalator and, and all these things and sort of assuming that Roquan's side of the story is true, which it may be. Mm-hmm. But if, Schefter, if Schefter's saying that the Bears are actually trying to placate him and being nice, that deserves at least a second thought to say, well, you know, maybe Roquan's the one who's creating a lot of this adversity and tension between both parties. Man. What do you uh, think, Dooch? Occam's razor, Aldo. The simplest solution is always the most likely. Uh, to, if I were to boil it down, I would say it's the position that Roquan plays. It's not, you know, they, uh, Andrew Brandt talked about uh, wide receivers. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are those are star players. I'm not saying Roquan Smith isn't a star, but like uh, uh, I've been saying before, like off-ball linebackers aren't that hard to find. Do we love Roquan Smith? Do fans love him? Yeah, sure. Uh, is it is it annoying that uh, all these things keep cropping up with this one player? Yeah, uh, but you know, and especially I forget who said the fact that he doesn't have an have an agent. You know, kind of compounds this a little bit. You know, maybe the Bears are getting frustrated with, you know, not having an agent who understands this kind of uh, contract. You know, and, and it's someone who can, you know, hey, let's. You know, keep keep the keep the waters calm, mm-hmm. right? But yes, exactly. To, to me, it's it's uh, it, it's the position that Roquan plays. I mean, Fred Fred Warner and Darius Leonard are the two top linebackers that position. They're both making around 19, 19 and a half per year, which is probably about what Roquan wants. You know, I, I think I think uh, he wants to be paid more than both of those guys. I'm not sure that the Bears want to make him the highest paid linebacker because I I, I don't know I. I think uh, Roquan should be more than happy with getting a, a deal equivalent with uh, uh, Fred Warner or Darius Leonard. 
I mean, that, mm -hmm. that to me is the thing. At, at this point, it's becoming a, a nuisance. And like I said, if he's only going to play six games this uh, this season, yeah, Jordan and I are kind of on the same page. You know, we probably could have drafted, uh, uh, what's his name, Christian Harris and gotten the same production, you know, uh, uh, or near close to the same production, you know, a, a guy. This news story uh, with the, the agent who's not an agent is just so embarrassing, though, for his side that he just he's starting to really look egregiously foolish. And we know he's not dumb, but this is not good PR in any sense of the word. I mean, he's losing the battle right now of uh, Roquan versus the Bears, you know, and trying to get the new deal. It, it's just like he looks he looks dumb. Mm -hmm. with everything that's happening and i know he's not dumb right he's he's definitely not dumb you know and it, it to me what this whole saint omni thing it's so bears me, you know isn't yeah. it so bears but I don't know if you like, can say so bears this is more so roquan it appears or yeah, yeah or so roquan yeah right danny but the saint the, you, you can't write this stuff though you know it's like some guy with with a with a uh an odd name you know, who isn't even an NFLPA uh, associated, uh, not certified, approved, not, not certified. He's not even certified <laughs> to do anything. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, and, and I, you know, the saying, uh, a, a fool that uh, a represent uh, someone who has uh, represents himself has a fool for a client. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the situation here. Well, here's you know? the deal. ESPN has reported that St. Omni is not certified a player agent, but he is a uh, director of financial advisement at some company. So he has managed uh, players' money, and he must be certified because – uh, from, from that standpoint, because people, but money managers have to be certified by the NFLPA no. to work with players. But he's a not CFP. a certified agent, right? A CFP, and, Certified and so Financial Planner. Charlie Cross, who was drafted, I think, by the Steelers, he used uh, Omni, St. Omni, Omni St., whatever his name is, uh, for advice on his contract. He didn't negotiate, uh, Omni did not negotiate on behalf of Cross, but Cross went to him and said, you know, I need your advice. Take a look at this contract. And he got that advice. So perhaps that's where Roquan heard of this. The problem is, is this guy that he, he, he clearly took it upon his own to start making calls to 31 other teams about trade possibilities. He didn't get permission. He First of all, he's not allowed to do that. Only certified agents are allowed to do that. Did he even talk to the Bears that he was going to do that? That is the stuff that makes Roquan look really bad here uh, is that he went that route to somebody who clearly was bending the rules, breaking the rules, or didn't know the rules. It's a mess. It's a mess, and it needs to be cleared up, and hopefully uh, both sides will bend just enough. And if, if, if Brant is right about these escalators and the deal being backloaded and stuff, then that does look like he's trying to take advantage. Poles and Stein are trying to take advantage of a guy who is not represented well by an agent. And so uh, Which is what Roquan said, yes, exactly. Trying to take advantage of me. Right. The biggest you know, but, thing is that's all business. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. Like I said, if, if you represent yourself, you got a fool for a client. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Dan, I want to ask Danny. Danny, if, if Roquan only plays six games this season, would your opinion of this situation change? Potentially. Like I told you earlier, 
if he tries to come back in mid to late November and is like, hey, guys, I'm back, and you know I'm here because I want credit for this season, I'd be like, well, that's great. We've made it this far without you, and uh, you're not playing. Yeah. I mean, could- he would just be inactive the rest of the way, even if he was on the roster. As far as I'm concerned, he would he wouldn't be active on game day. Well, Aldo, what's what's the WAR on Roquan? You know, wins above replacement. Oh man, like I, how how many wins is Roquan Smith worth to the team? Well, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I, I don't think that in uh, in 2008, uh, 18, the Bears are in the playoffs if it wasn't for Roquan and Khalil Mack as part of a, an incredible defense and Kyle Fuller and a couple of other names. So he was instrumental in his rookie year of helping the Bears get into the playoffs. And I think in the games that the Bears have won, and you can point to the defense being the overriding reason why the Bears won, Roquan had a big role in that. You know, and so I, I really value Roquan Smith to find a linebacker who can cover as much ground as he can. He can guard just about anybody coming out of the backfield, just about any tight end in the league, and he can play a fairly stout against the run. He's, he's not a big bodied linebacker. And so, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of, uh, of Brian Erlacher and Brian Erlacher was blown away by big running backs. Remember Jerome Bettis, what he did to him. Oh. And that, that's real no, Tom much. Brady. <laughs> that's right. That was Tom Brady. I still can't believe that. Uh, oh my gosh. Me neither. It was the most, I think maybe the most embarrassing moment as a bears fan. I like, what did I yeah. just see? <laughs> this guy, a guy with like cement shoes. Jukes, <laughs> yeah, jukes right. I, I saw, uh, was it? Dan was talking about Ebner, man. Ebner put a cut on a defensive back of the chiefs. That was just like oh, yeah. right out of his yeah. jock. Yeah. Well, that, that, before, before you go before there, before we get to Ebner, yeah, yeah, I just want to say that was that was almost as good. Man. It was gorgeous, without yeah. a doubt. Um, I, I want to comment on what Jordan said here. He's not sure when it became the Bears' duty to pay a guy for what he will become versus what he's done, you, Jordan. But that's the way all NFL teams use this. There are quarterbacks who sign contracts, like Patrick Mahomes' contract is going. To be, uh, he's not going to be the highest paid player very, very soon. As some of these other, Justin Fields might have a better contract than Patrick Mahomes. It that it's the way uh, salaries evolve. I think we talked about this on a previous show. That, Indeed. So Roquan may not be the best linebacker, but he's proven to be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. And now it's his turn to get paid. A like Ryan Pohl said, a record-setting amount. The problem is, is how that money is going to be distributed and whether he's going to see any of that. But Roquan Smith will sign a contract, uh, uh, either with the Bears or somebody else, that will make him the highest-paid linebacker in the NFL. It's just the way that he is because he's good enough, and because the salary cap goes up, and so the next uh, salary cap generation of players moves up even better players than, than you, they are. So you made you. me think Stuart Smalley for a minute because you said he's good enough. <laughs> he's smart <laughs> enough. God damn it, people like him. But you know, to make a comparison though, because I think I saw Jordan say that it was only two games that he thought uh Roquan would help the team win potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to necessarily agree or disagree with that, but I, I'm kind of more toward agreeing with him because just as a comparison, the last time that we had something like this happen that I, off the top of my head, other than Briggs, 
was with Wilbur. And the Bears are like, well, we can't play, uh, we can't pay Wilbur and Singletary, uh, you know, at the same time. And Mike's contract has a thing in it that says he has to be the highest paid. So if we pay Wilbur, then we have to pay Mike, and we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they let Wilbur go to Washington, and that that single handedly may have helped us not win another Super Bowl with that team. Mm-hmm. But I and, and so it was to me, you don't want to repeat what you did with Wilbur. I know this is not exactly the same realm or era, but I don't think Roquan is of that ilk mm-hmm. to where, I mean, Wilbur's our first round pick, but he's an impact player. He's immediately, as soon as we, we let him go, Washington made him the highest paid defensive player in the league mm-hmm. period. I don't think anyone's going to pay Roquan like that to make him the highest paid player in the league. I th- I think it could happen. I really do think it could happen. J Rock's just the market with what a team will pay or won't pay, and, and you're right, J Rock. I think there's going to be a team in the NFL that will pay Roquan. There are out of the 31 other teams in the NFL, they're going to look at Roquan as saying that is a piece that we could really use to make our defense a superstar level defense, and uh, we've got the salary cap, cap dollars to do it. You know, all the finances work, and so uh, he could. End up being that. By the way, before we go on with any any subject, uh, Don Burr was just saying that Hard Knocks is going to start in two minutes. I want to say to Don Burr, you you will be much more entertained and informed by watching this show than the bullshit propaganda Hard Knocks is putting out about the Detroit Lions. <laughs> that head coach is a fucking joke. The whole Deuce Daly, Aaron Glenn segment in, in the first episode with those guys competing against one another as opposed to watching what's going on in the field and coaching their players was, to me, embarrassing. And the fact that the Lions PR department let HBO edit together a five-minute sequence where it's just basically Deuce Daly and Aaron Glenn barking at each other was embarrassing for the Lions. I would fire, if I was uh, Mrs. Firestone, I would fire them all including all the people in the PR department. So I want to praise I want to praise Jared Goff though. There was a I actually retweeted this. Yeah, I don't know who the kid was, but it was obviously at camp and a little boy came up to him and he he put uh, his helmet on the child and took a picture with him. I mean, I and it's not it's not a kid that he knew as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a make-a-wish kid, maybe it's just a regular kid. I don't know, but the fact he took the time to do that says a lot about Goff. Well, I, I wouldn't be fooled by that because there are a lot of assholes. <laughs> just, just kidding. I was gonna say there are a lot of assholes who have done nice things like that, and they turn around and they beat the shit out of their own kids or something like that. But I'm just joking. I'm you just- know, ironically, Cutler allegedly did a lot of shit like that for, but he never wanted any cameras around because he never wanted praise for it. Especially mm-hmm. a lot of uh, kids that suffer from diabetes and things too. He really tried to help make a difference for them. Mm-hmm. But never wanted that false praise for it. But I don't, I don't know if Goff was doing that. It seemed like someone else was recording it. It yeah. seemed genuine. It seemed like a genuine moment. It did. I, I did see it, and and it was uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, can I can I come in on our quarterbacks just for a moment, please? Since I said Goff, but I know Tuus was wanting to talk running backs. But um, I I thought this before Saturday. Two things. Uh, again, this is independent of Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I have always hated, I mean, hated Nathan Peterman. I think Nathan Peterman is right up there with Jonathan Quinn, Steve Stenstrom, and Mike Glennon as the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play in my life. 
and I hope this bum never takes one snap as a bear. And I, I hope he gets cut and not even put on the practice squad. I think Peterman is fucking horrible. With uh, Simeon, and I'm not saying this because he played well Saturday, I thought Simeon did well when he was in Denver. I watched a lot of Denver because, again, my cousin's a Broncos fan, Sylvester's a Broncos fan, so I've seen a lot of Denver because of people I'm around. And I thought Simeon was – I keep wanting to call him Frank Simeon because that was Vince Vaughn's name on True Detective. But um, – Simeon, I think, is a good backup. I think he could be our best backup since, like, Tom Zach. Totally agree with you on both counts. Peterman, uh, that, that guy, I don't I don't know how he has survived. Of course, there just aren't enough quarterbacks. They talk about NFL expansion. That would be a joke. You don't have enough quarterbacks for the 32 NFL teams. You need a quality starter, and you need an adequate backup, and there just aren't enough quarterbacks who have proven they can do that, and Nathan Peterman is exhibit A. He will never, never, ever, ever be a, a quality starter, and an adequate backup, I don't think he's that. Uh, I don't even want him as third string. Mm-hmm. I say that now, and he'll win us a big game in, like, November. <laughs> <laughs> because the game we're at, which will be fine. Yeah, well, I'll, then I'll, I'll gladly eat the proverbial crow if that is the case. But, God, like I said, to me, I, I can't ever really just discern who's the worst. I want to save Steve Stenstrom, but then you're like, oh, what about Glennon? What about Jonathan Quinn? They're all probably, like, right there. But I'm going to say Stenstrom was the worst Bears quarterback I've ever seen get extended playing time. Yeah. I hear you. Um, Collins ranks up there for me. Oh uh, but Todd God. Collins had good NFL moments at, at other places. Right, so you could say he was a good player. Well, well I bet in Washington enough. he was a good player is what I'm saying. But, I mean, Steve, what did Steve Stenstrom do? What did Jonathan Chad, Quinn do? Chad Hutchinson. That guy was Chad awful. Hutchinson won, had a really good game with the Bears against Minnesota. We can't say that about Steve Stenstrom. Did he have a good game? I don't even think he had a win as a starter. Jonathan Quinn was the worst I've ever no, seen. No, he did against Baltimore in 98 in Baltimore. But that's because James Allen rushed for 200 yards. Mm. Want to talk Tristan Abner? Because he was definitely a highlight. Uh, yeah, uh, before, game. Go before we move on, I just want to ask you guys a question. Is it possible the Bears have one eye turned to the future with Roquan Smith in mind? Because there's a lot of contracts that will be coming up with players they might deem more valuable than Roquan Smith. You've got uh, uh, a David Montgomery contract on the horizon, and this will lead into the Darnell Mooney. Ebner talk. Mooney. Uh, there's some guys who 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 maybe uh, they're looking at. You know, uh, great for, back for shoulder catch by term. Mooney on Saturday. By the way, so uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe they, the reason they backloaded the contract was because of the the future contracts that may have to dish out for Darnell Mooney and, well, and then David they, Wouldn't you then want to front load the contract so that way at the back end you've got money for those guys? Yeah. Um, I, I I think that you know, the the, the we I, I think we're all in agreement that Ryan Pace managed the cap about as poorly as any general manager in the National Football League. You know, he came from the Saints organization. They were not known for uh, operating their cap cap in a reasonable way. Their, their credit card bill is totally maxed, which is why Sean Payton said, I'm getting the fuck out of here. So one of the things that I am grateful for Ryan Pose is that it appears that he is taking a very tempered approach towards man managing the cap and only investing in dollars 
that for him are going to be sure things. I lean on the end that Roquan's play to me seems like a sure thing. I think that if you're going to say that that outside linebacker, weak side linebacker is a valuable part of this uh cover two defense, this Eberflus defense. You need a three-tech. You need an outside linebacker who can rush the ball, who can move sideline to sideline, who can uh, rush the quarterback. Then you got your guy in Roquan, and you need a, a nickelback, and you need a safety. So that's where your money has to go, and I think that some wise decision-making on how those dollars are allocated, hopefully that's what Poles is doing, and he's not making the mistakes that has put polls in this terrible position, not making the mistakes that pace has made. Isn't there some talk that Gordon is going to play inside? Um, yeah, at the slot position. Yes. Uh, which is another reason to really look forward to Thursday's game to see if he's going to get any playing time at that slot position, because that would be fucking huge. Hey, I got to interrupt. I'm sorry. sorry. J rock right now. Craig Krenzel was the worst. Craig Krenzel won us three straight games in 2004. I know that doesn't say, you know, oh, he put him in the Hall of Fame, but these other oh, we're forgetting uh, Caleb Haney, by the way, on that worst Bears quarterback list. But Krenzel won us three straight games to beat Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. I won us a game against the Giants, against the 49ers, and in Tennessee on the road. So, you know, hell, I, I think Krenzel did okay. Well, he was the third string quarterback and won three straight games. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, Frankly, I've I've the the Krenzel, uh, Collins, who else? Those quarterbacks from that era that we had like nine quarterbacks in what two years or something like that. I, I've pretty much erased their play from my memory banks. I don't want to well, think about it. Jonathan <laughs> Quinn, Jonathan Quinn didn't win us a game, as far as I recall. Jonathan Quinn did not win us a game. Caleb Haney did okay in the NFC Championship game, despite throwing that interception to that fat guy from Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'm not fat, but goddamn, that guy was 450 and got a fucking pick six. Uh, but he was terrible in 2011 against uh, Steve Stenstrom, just awful in '98. Awful. Mm-hmm. Who else did I, I we I reflect on Stenstrom and Quinn in '04? Mm-hmm. There was another one I brought up. Who was the other one? Um, just the all-time worst. Fuck, I don't know. We. we I'm, I'm going to go with Steve Stenstrom, I think. What about, uh, is it Cordell Stewart? <laughs> no, Cordell did some okay things for us in 03 and certainly won us some games. Mm-hmm. Henry uh, Burris. But he never really had – he, he started like one game. Rick Meyer was the biggest. Rick Meyer's a bad, oh. huge disappointment. But at least he was rookie of the year in 93, so he at least had a moment. Like yeah. Steve Stenstrom didn't have a moment. And I almost want to throw Peter Tom Willis in there too – but at least he did great things in the uh, the arena league. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't count. <laughs> well, I know, but he had a moment somewhere. Like Steve Stenstrom's moment was like in with his mom hugging him or something. No, he 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 played well at I think Stanford. Uh, he he had some pedigree. I, I actually, when Stenstrom started playing quarterback, I had some hopes because he was from that West Coast offense that I love so yeah, much. Absolutely. Bill Walsh, uh, kind of uh, a pupil. And, you must have been disappointed. 
Yes, I was. <laughs> I got to say, when, when we started the show, Aldo and Dan and I had no intention of talking crappiest Bears quarterbacks. <laughs> I can't help it. comes back to that. <laughs> oh, the other one was Mike Glennon. That's the other one. Uh, the oh, my God. Mike Glennon that? forever will be in my memory of the snap coming back and hitting his, hitting his knee, and then he's trying to find the ball. and. In Green Bay, just the, his last moments as a Bears player uh, or starter. Thank God. I've always wanted to do a parody video on all the Bears quarterbacks from my uh, lifetime, but I, it's too depressing. It wouldn't be a parody. It'd be a disaster movie. Although, and I need, would need therapy after that. <laughs> oh, shit, brother. I wish I would have asked Eric Kramer. Like, I said it in a joking way because I didn't want to put him on the spot, but right. I wish I could have him – because you know that he was remembering players in the huddle and everything, like on situations from like who was in the huddle with him in '91 and stuff. I want him to tell me how right I am about Steve Stenstrom being a bum. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll call the worst up. backup quarterback Eric ever had, Steve Stenstrom. <laughs> we got to have Eric back so we can just talk. But Mike Hohensee, remember that? I think oh, he was a, he was a replacement player, right, for Ditka. Yeah. Yeah. I, you actually agreed to come on the show, but I got a feeling uh, that he listened to it and he uh, like, wrote to me and said, hey, by the way, I won't be available that day. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I learned that he was very Christian, so he must have heard us talking uh, about oh, this. A lot of cursing. And <laughs> you know, who else was a good uh, replacement Bears quarterback? Sean Payton. Yeah. yeah. Not that he was any good. I just meant a good reference. Yeah, uh, indeed. You know, a good backup, we should give some love. I said – he could be the the Simeon could be the best since Tom Zach, but a guy I'm completely skipping over, who won eight starts in the regular season of 1994 and won us a playoff game is Steve Walsh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Walsh did some good things here. Yeah, he he definitely did. I mean, uh, he he was a key member of that '85 uh, Bears team. He was on the Super Bowl shuffle. Uh, shuffle. Steve, no, no, Steve no, that's Fuller. Mike Tom Zach or, or Tom Zach and Fuller. I'm talking about Steve Walsh. Steve oh, Walsh was Wanstead's uh, backup. Yeah, yes. he won. He won a playoff game for us at Minnesota at the mm-hmm. Metrodome, mm-hmm. and uh, won eight games that year because Kramer was when, hurt. Uh, Dick wore the roller skates, Dan. No, no, no that's eighty-seven. That eighty-seven. Right. He won a playoff game when Wani was our coach right, in ninety-four. Right. And the next week we went to San Francisco, and I asked Eric, I was like, "Do you think maybe you know you could have made a difference had you started?" And he was like, "Everyone wants to think that, but." He said that was the best team he ever saw, if you recall. Like right. uh, pro bowlers and Hall of Famers everywhere. Yeah, I do recall that. Absolutely. Cade McNown's name just came up. Yeah. Oh. Cade had a couple of moments, though, a uh, couple of good moments. And, in fact, I will remind you, Cade's last pass in the NFL ever was a completion that set up the game. Went, this is for Don Burr. In 2000, on Christmas Eve, Mm-hmm. The Lions were in the playoffs. All they had to do was beat the shitty ass fucking Bears at the Silverdome. And the Bears suck. And, you know, uh, Shane Matthews is starting, but he gets hurt. And Cade comes in, and the Lions just know they're going to make it. And uh, Cade completes a pass, sets up my man, Paul Edinger, from 54 yards out, Christmas Eve, right down the middle. And the Lions are out of the playoffs. Mm. Great moment. Great oh, moment. Set up by Cade McDonald's completed pass. The corkscrew kicker. Love Paul Edinger. Never missed a game-winning kick. That's kind of. I always thought like when 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 I watched uh, Paul Edinger kick, I was I always thought to myself, hmm, this is an interesting 
you know, kicking style. What if this is like a, a kid who was like, you know, in Pop Warner uh, youth football was just like, I'm going to try something different. This might make sense. I'm going to like corkscrew my way in there to get more power. And he just like stuck with it forever. You know, it's like he just wanted to be different than, you know, everyone else, you know, all the all the regular style kickers. And then he finally made it to the NFL. It's unfortunate that. that his success with us was overshadowed by Robbie. And I can see why, because Robbie was here so long. But yeah, uh, again, he was the predecessor with the only in between there being that uh, Doug Bryan, who was yeah. just terrible, but Edinger did some really good things with Chicago and in, and Minnesota for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Aldo, to uh, ask you guys a couple questions. Uh, is it possible that the Bears front office is starting to view Roquan Smith as, as kind of a headache? You know, just like I would of, think they so. Might, they might not want to deal with, you know, maybe they really are seeking to train up. There was a lot of talk in the chat room about uh, oh, there's been no reported trades, you know, and so that's been the, the story, of, you know, of the day. You know, well, they haven't right. announced any like possible trade partners or if anything is going, but but still, there's all this rumors like Dallas or Denver or Seattle. You know, I, I saw all those names pop up. What if Roquan, you know, doesn't doesn't come home from Seattle? You know, he just you know. Because uh, Sean Desai is there, or whatever you mm -hmm. know, or uh, Dallas needs some help in the linebacking core. Maybe it's a it's a missing link for them, or whatever. You know, teams that are a lot closer to the playoffs than the Bears. Mm -hmm. I um, I do have high expectations, like Greg Gabriel, that this is going to be settled. It's going nobody's going to be happy at the end, uh, and maybe maybe the way to 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 solidify this deal is tell Roquan, all right, let's, let's do a two year deal. That way we don't have to franchise tag you. <laughs> that way, yeah. Good call. No man. Let's talk about right. uh, Tristan Ebner. Uh, the guy looked fabulous on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah. This is him on his touchdown uh, coming out of the backfield. Uh, uh, he, he let off the Where game. Rashawn Salam's number. Yep, man. Do you you have a Rashawn Salon jersey man. too? Don't you? I do not. Finally, here we're getting the quick slant. Yeah, how about that? Well, this is uh, the Bears haven't run a slant since Reagan was president. Shit. <laughs> uh, the the problem was is that on he failed on a blitz pickup, and you can't have that. It, it's something that he's got to learn. That was his major blemish in that game, and hopefully he'll correct that. I got a feeling he's going to see a lot of playing time on Thursday night, and um, hopefully he'll pick up those blitzes because that is a is a huge problem. He will not get playing time until he corrects that. Despite the amazing speed, despite the the, the cutback skills that he has, is Guy he going to be the kick returner? Um, well, that's up for debate. I mean, we still have Valus Jones uh, competing. Uh, there's a number of other players. The, the Bears are stacked with candidates. Daz Newsom is is a guy. I know he but, scored, but I, I just don't have a lot of faith in Mr. He had the drop, drop punt yeah. in, the, in the beginning. I mentioned that on, to Greg Gabriel today, and even the touchdown that he caught, he bobbled that for a step or two before finally securing it before going out of bounds. So it wasn't as in that Webster guy. I just don't see a Nisimba? lot in. You don't like Nasimba? No, no. <laughs> They're right up there with Nathan Peterman at, at their position. I, mm -hmm. I bet on Baylor a lot the college football last year, man. So I, I knew Ebner from from last season 
I mean, that was one of the top running teams in the country, man. Last mm-hmm. season, man, the quarterback ran, Ebner ran. I mean, I, I when I heard the Bears picked him up, I was like, man, the fans are going to love this kid. Do you think Ebner's a hedge against any kind of uh, Montgomery? I hate to go back to the holdout shit, but <laughs> Montgomery holds out. He wants to get paid. Well, we got Ebner. Fuck. <laughs> well, and here's, here's no, great- no man's gonna no man's gonna come in here and kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> here's the great thing about David Montgomery. He's on the last year of his contract, and he is at camp. He's playing. He's doing everything as a team yeah. leader should do. And so I, you know. Is he playing Thursday? Uh, he probably will only play uh, four, five, six so. snaps, I, I think. It, uh, he's at a position, too, with a, with a huge amount of injury attrition. Who's, you know, running back. That's like well, the most common injury position, you know, and he's still there at camp playing. Yeah, that's a great point. That's you a know? great, great point, yes. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Earl here that uh, Herbert will probably see the majority of the snaps Thursday night, and I think he could probably use the work. Uh, Ebner and Herbert, you got to make a decision on. Um, I mean, do you guys, if, if Ebner plays really well, picks up blitzes and so forth, could you guys see Ebner jumping Khalil Herbert on the depth chart? Not this year, I don't think. I mean, the, like I said, the blitz pickup is a big part of it, but I think he's going to contribute, man. I think he makes. At, here, I, I thought about this too. After I watched the game, I mm-hmm. thought about this, Aldo and Dan. I thought about like, I hope the Bears don't fucking try to sneak this kid through waivers and get him on the practice squad because somebody's going to fucking grab him, you know? Yeah. Like, whether it's as a kick returner or a third <laughs> down me. back or something. Yeah. I, I, that's my fear. That was the first thing that came into my mind, especially when you see a cut like that, man. Right. You, you know, and then he ran ran, the, ran a good route and, and, and caught the touchdown pass. Uh, I mean. See, I think at, at, at those cuts at the end of camp going into the, the season, I think you can get away uh, with a lot of really good names because every team is cutting good names and every general manager falls in love with the players that they drafted or signed and so forth. So I think you could sneak Ebner through, but I don't think they should try to. I think this guy yeah. is a guy that can help you win football games now. And yeah. so he, they should carry four line, uh, four running backs and uh, Ebner, Herbert, Montgomery, and uh, who would be the fourth? Uh, maybe Darrington Evans. Yeah, yeah, he's a veteran. You know, I don't does know. that include the fullback? I know they got a couple fullbacks. Blazing game. game and Tongas speaking of fullbacks, I hated seeing Michael Burton get first downs <laughs> against us. <laughs> that guy was the worst. He's the worst blocker. He's like flying around and, and running super fast and not blocking anybody. Trying he to get did him. okay with Detroit, but by the time he got here, he was awful. As Phil would let us yeah. know. Every weekend, rightfully so. Uh, he was awful. Yeah. You know, uh, that would be another – I hope they don't try to sneak him through waivers and onto the practice squad because I, I just have a bad feeling about that. But, I mean, I, I wanted to – I'm, I'm going to be speaking to uh, Jordan Severa here, who's not a Ryan Poles fan, because has there ever been a, a Bears general manager with this many – misfortunes at the start of their career. I'm going to talk about, okay, he, he came in, he traded Khalil Mack, you know, uh, Butch Dan probably, you know, uh, we're okay with that. You know, I was definitely in, okay with that. Injury attrition. We end up with a player who's going to be a star, Jaquan Brisker. He showed out in the last first game here. He let uh, four free agents pretty much walk without any compensation. I'm talking about Allen Robinson, uh, Akeen Hicks, uh, Daniels, James Daniels, and Bilal Nichols. 
he missed out. He botched the free agent uh, signings of Bates. Uh, was it Ryan Bates and Ogan Joby? Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, instead of uh, improving the offense, selecting a uh, oh here's Jed Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> selected a defensive-minded head coach with, you know, when arguably we needed uh, uh, an offensive-minded coach for Justin Fields' success, which, as Aldo said, is the, probably the most important thing this season. Is for yeah, Justin but he hired Getze, Fields. so give, he him, hired, give him right, that. I agree. He hired Getze, which is that that's a win-win, you know, or, or evens out. And then not he didn't draft any offensive lineman or, or a wide receiver early in the draft. You know, passed up on some players, but kept trading out of spots where we could have had some of these players. Well, he drafted a wide receiver in the third round. He drafted drafted Velas, but yeah, I mean, uh, we passed on guys that, uh, you know, like the Pickens looks like a pretty darn good player. Um, and then the offensive lineman, you know, not until, what, fifth round with Jones, with Braxton Jones, who uh, today is news. Robert Quinn made him look foolish a bunch of times. Of course, Robert Quinn's going to do that to a lot of offensive linemen. But uh, has there ever been a GM with this much controversy at the start of their – I can't think of one, Aldo. Yeah, I can't. I mean, and I think just a lot of that is is bad luck. Like like Renewable says here, the fact that Joby failed the physical, you probably can't blame that on Ryan Poles. There, right. The, the question has never been answered is that why did it take four or five days for the physical to, to happen – after the announcement of the signing, because during those four days, Poles himself admitted that there were players that were signed that the Bears probably would have reached for with those dollars had they known that Joby's injury was severe enough not to commit those types of uh, dollars to. So that's that's debatable, you know, whether that was a Bears fault. Uh, I, I tend to think it was it was more bad luck. The, the, the money situation with the bills, offensive lineman. I agree. Uh, Poles botched that he should have known the market better. He should have realized that the bills had a commitment to him. And sometimes you got to overpay just a little bit more in order to protect your quarterback. That's the reality of the situation. So, um, but hopefully that will be, you know, you got the Roquan controversy as well. The Roquan holdout is all, you know, it's like as a, a, no, you make a good point. Jordan Silvera I, always says, you know, this is he, he's not a Ryan Poles fan because of this, you know, the, the rocky start to his career. Go ahead, Dan. I, I was going to say, I'm not, as you know, not the biggest Brian Urlacher fan ever uh, by any stretch, but you'd have to say that Phil Emery's start due to the Urlacher situation was extremely rocky, yeah, at least with Bears point, fans, because the majority of the Bears fans, I mean, let's just face it, loved Urlacher. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you know you you let him go and then he's on TV constantly ripping you and talking shit about you on Fox Sports One. <laughs> Nomad gave me my walking papers. Huh? <laughs> yes, Nomad has fired you. He's waiting out back for me. <laughs> Got my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Phil Emery did have a rocky start, and uh, and he paid Jay right off the top, which right. a lot of people didn't like. Right, and his best draft pick, I wanted to say, arguably was Alshon Jeffrey who was an incredible talent, but not the kind of head that you want on a team because he was selfish and uh, – and Hurt all the time, allegedly. A soft tissue muscle galore. That's the first time I ever heard the term soft tissue muscle injury, and it was yeah, Alshon Jeffrey because he had it almost every week. <laughs> so, that, we had Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey in those yeah, times, right? That was Mark, at least Brandon, Mark, at least he has a medical condition. 
And you knew if Brandon was healthy, he was going to play. Yeah, and Martellus. The dude was a monster. Yeah, and Martellus. You talk about an enigma. Right. Three head cases there as your primary pass receiving weapons. We finally get guys that you know can catch the ball and be playmakers, but they're disruptive with their off-the-field or locker room behavior. And uh, uh, it's just a shame because there was talent on that team, but it was just – it was a poorly constructed team by Phil Emery. Um, wanted to win now because of the Jay Cutler situation. I go back to what I've said almost every show. Uh, yeah, McCaskey is the elephant yeah, in the room, guys. I mean, so, maybe, maybe does that does it mean does he mean uh, the like the McCaskies are kind of yeah we don't want to want to give out twenty million a year, man. Come on, <laughs> right? You know the, the reputation of being cheapskates is that what he's talking about? Right? That's what yeah, I get. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I. I um, the back to back to that team with Emery, man, that was just so disappointing because I did think that they could possibly he was piecing together something special, but then there was no attention paid to the defense. We had historically bad defensive teams, back to back fifty plus points given up against the uh, the Patriots, a by Green Bay, and Green Bay. Oh my God, that that was one yeah. of the worst moments. Forty two to nothing in the first half. Yeah. Well, back to these that, Bears. That's uh, the worst game I've ever watched by the Bears. Yeah. That one, oh my gosh! I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, wait a minute, we're getting on an opening day. Don't don't sleep on opening day of 03, Cordell Stewart's debut in San Francisco <laughs> against Jeff Garcia when the 49ers beat us 49 to seven. It ended up yep. being a touchdown late in the game to Des Clark. But beyond that, we we will we basically lost forty nine to nothing on opening day. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm, that's up there for me too. That, that was a game where I thought, man, uh, Jeff Garcia is actually a good quarterback, or is it just us do we suck? You know? like, I thought Garcia, despite his size, was pretty good. Yeah, no, he was all right. Yeah, yeah, he he was a good uh, uh, quarterback. West Coast offense. offense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. All right, so we've talked about the running backs. What did you guys think about uh, Lake Zurich's own? Uh, Lake Zurich High School is about five miles from where I live. Uh, Jack Sanborn, a graduate of that high school, went to Wisconsin and then was named player of the game uh, with his first preseason game with the Bears. What did you guys of think? Of course, it was incredible, but I just as I was watching it, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, this guy, early in the game, he made a great uh, tackle solo tackle on special teams. Then he had like a wow moment on special teams and he had the pick and he had the fumble recovery. And I was like, Oh man, I don't want to remember the guy we used to have back in the lovey days named Mike Hass every year. They're supposed to have the greatest hands on the team, but never could make the team. And every year everyone wanted Mike Hass. And then there was Tanner Gentry where everybody wanted Tanner Gentry. And he finally got on the team because of injuries and and didn't do anything. I don't want to over love him the way maybe I did and others did with Mike Cass and Tanner Gentry. I totally, totally agree with you, Dan. The fact of the matter is, is that all the scouting reports said he's not athletic enough to be a starting linebacker. He he's not, doesn't have the length, and he does look kind of small for uh, a linebacker. But his instincts and his, you know, his knowledge of the game and his toughness are admirable. So – you know, he played every special team snaps. I think his future is going to be as a special teamer, and then he'll he'll go in there and play uh, at the linebacker position when needed because of injuries. He's our Rudy. 
You saw Rudy, right? You got to love <laughs> guys with heart like that, no doubt. They said a lot of this. I mean, how many linebackers have they said he's too small or, you know, like, I mean, what, Zach true. Thomas, Mike Single, those guys were, those guys were like 5'11", mm-hmm. you know, 220, 230 pounds, you know. It's just all, as you study the game, you know, uh, the, the more film, you know, you watch, you know, the dude's athletic enough to make plays. I mean, he really stood out. I mean, mm-hmm. let's see how he does against ones, though, you know. I mean, he was playing against, uh, you know, guys who might not play in the league, you know, very, but I think he definitely could make the team. Let me, you brought up Mike Singletary. Let's go back to that era for just for a second because I got a question for you guys. I've always contended that uh, Liz Cheney, by the way, lost at the Wyoming GOP primary. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, so she's not even the fucking candidate in the fall. No, she's not. Yeah. She's the primary. Thank you. Uh, I guess Trump supporters. But anyway, let's go ahead. Um, Mike Singletary would not be in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't because he played uh, alongside a cast of Hall of Famers. Mike Singletary was a good linebacker, no doubt about it, but Hall of Famer, if he didn't have that front line in front of him, and he, if he didn't have Otis and Wilbur beside him, I don't think Mike Singletary would have been a Hall of Famer. He would have I'll been answer Otis. this with Otis. And I know we both have read, read Otis Wilson's book. Mm-hmm. I don't know about too much, but I know you and I both read it. And Otis said it flat out in the book that he thought he and Wilbur did all the the dirty work and Mike got all the credit for it. And he basically said he thought Mike was overrated. And I hate to say that because I love Singletary. And a lot of people have like pretended that he wasn't that good because, or just start that started to be a narrative, but when his coaching career didn't go that well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's unfortunate because as a player though, he had Supreme heart. I know the, the eyes thing is so overrated, but, uh, I don't think Mike was overrated by any stretch. Like I think Erlacher was way overrated in comparison with Singletary. I think Singletary is way better than Erlacher, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say Singletary is not overrated, but he couldn't single-handedly make that team dominant the way Wilbur and, and Otis could, it seemed. You know? mm-hmm. was that- I think he was the third best out of those three is what I'm trying to say. But yeah. still a Hall of Famer. I think they all sh- three should be in the Hall of Fame, including Wilbur and Otis. What do you think, Tooch, about Singletary? Oh, man, it's hard. I, I'm kind of with Dan uh, in there. I love Samurai. You know, I mean, I, a lot of it was, uh, you know, a, a lot of it maybe have been like build up, you know, like just built built himself up. The defense built him up. You know, I he's in the Hall of Fame, though, so I'm not going to, you know. Yeah, but he's in the Hall of Fame. But does he really believe uh, deserve it? That, that was Erlacher a first ballot Hall of Fame? I don't think so. But Mike should have been, in my opinion. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. But God bless them; they are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, I love those. Oh, guys. come on! When he hit Eric Dickerson to start that championship game, you didn't come in your fucking pants. And he said Eric Dickerson just had two hundred and sixty some yards against the Cowboys a week before third and one, and Singletary boom. Knocks him back three yards. Set the whole tone for the championship game. I, I came in my hand, actually, because I had my dick out. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's the thing, is that that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the play of everybody else around them. Now, when when Samurai came out, I remember uh, that draft. I'm reading my Pro Football Weekly draft guy, Joe Bushbaum. I almost remember the words word by word. Joe Bushbaum wrote about – 
Mike Singletary, hard-nosed linebacker with limited athletic skills, well-known for breaking 12 helmets at Baylor University because of his hard-hitting style, will be a thumper, but elite capability? Probably not. That's Those are pretty much what Joe Bushbaum read. And so when he fell to the Bears at second, uh, at the second round, I was like, okay, that's a value pick. This is going to be great. He played with a great football team, and that's why he is in the Hall of Fame, not because of his individual greatness, although in terms of one of the toughest, hardest-hitting guys, I would put him up on that top ten list of all-time guys. Let us let me ask you a question, then. You remember that bullshit uh, countdown that the Bears did that put Khalil Mack as, like, the 60th greatest Bear ever after one season when he should – he shouldn't even be in the top 100 now for sure, but – uh, neither is to Patrick, uh, the Patrick Manley, that fucking long snapper guy. But anyway, <laughs> if we were doing the top 100 and we had the official countdown, mm-hmm. and you and I, all three of us, all three of us could tell you where people do you have Erlacher higher or Singletary higher <sighs> in terms of the Bears' top 100? I'm going with 50 higher than 54. I'd have to give that interesting question. Yeah, it really is. I'd have to give that some thought, but I would probably say yes, that you're right. I would probably put Singletary there. Um, That, you know, Erlacher, the the one great thing about Erlacher is the fact that he was so fast and he can cover so much ground. That cover two, Lovey Smith defense worked primarily, I think, because of Erlacher, that he could drop back and play like a middle safety position on a lot of play. And and there's not a lot of linebackers in that era that could do that. Now there are. So Erlacher deserves a lot of credit because he did help evolve that linebacker position from being a straightforward thumper like Singletary was to being more of a coverage guy. And face it, Erlacher was not a straightforward guy. Just ask Jerome Bettis, as we said earlier. That was that was Ann Roquan Smith's biggest criticism when they came out of college. Is these guys run right at them, you know? And when Roquan and that Georgia championship game, the the opposing team just ran right at Roquan and exposed them. He he did not have a good game, and so. Uh, but nonetheless, in today's NFL, when you're only running the game 10, 15 times a game as opposed to the 30 plus times in the in the singletary area you know you need guys like Erlacher and Roquan Smith I would say that Erlacher just to be fair here because I told you I, I'm not his biggest fan but I would say for some reason let's say Jerron and Greg Blosh stayed here a lot longer than they did in his career mm-hmm. that his sacks and stuff would have been through the roof under Greg Blosh I think Erlacher could have possibly been a Hall of Famer and the other scheme too. So that speaks to his greatness that he could have adapted to either scheme. And I think he would have been successful at not doing it would have a lot more splash plays mm-hmm. in the other scheme versus the cover two. But I still think Singletary for what he was uh was more important to the Bears in his era. Especially you have to think like Mike won defensive player of the year when Otis was hurt and, and would never be back with the Bears. And Wilbur was in Washington, and he was carrying Ron Rivera and Jim Morrissey and got Defensive Player of the Year. And the Bears went 12-4. and And arguably, if Richard Dent doesn't break his leg, they go to the Super Bowl because your boy uh, that you love so much, Bill Walsh, couldn't beat the Bears until Richard Dent was hurt Mm -hmm. because they couldn't block him. 
Every time uh, Joe Montana go back to pass, Dent was in his fucking face. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when Dent broke his leg in 88, that's the over between that and Wilbur leaving are the two reasons they probably don't go to the Super Bowl in 88. Mm. Well, uh, we can talk about this topic for hours, uh, but uh, let's talk about let's get back to the present Bears uh, because there's there's still a lot to touch on regarding what. Can, can I say one more thing quickly? Please do. Every time I look at Tooch, I feel like it's like a horror movie where a zombie is going to come from behind him and just like eat his fucking throat out because <laughs> of the, where it's the way this, it's just so dark. <laughs> it's cool. I love the image. I think like Michael need- Myers is about to emerge like on Halloween too. <laughs> I, I want to use the, you know, the virtual screen and everything, but it's like, it, it just, there's too much video lag. Yeah. You know, you, for me, it was right yeah. on the green screen. That's, that's yeah. probably why. Um, <laughs> watch out, there's just somebody behind you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's Ron Jeremy <laughs> coming to give him a hickey. <laughs> how close is that body towards you? Uh, uh how similar is that body towards uh, you? Uh, he, he's got some know, big I, calves, Ron Jeremy. Though, look at those things. Yeah, he's I, got some what big calves. Oh, I thought you said he yeah, had some big balls. I'm like six foot one, so I mean, he look. Yeah, he, he seems like he's stockier. Oh yeah, he's yeah. five seven at best. Yeah, as thick as five eight. Though. <laughs> 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 oh man, I, that show last week with Nomad Man, I, I was fucking laughing all week about it. It was a, such a good moment. It's um, Nomad is behind me. He's about to kick my butt. <laughs> like sneaking up behind me. About to get hit with a pipe. <laughs> that is <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to talk about Mitch. Remember, I, you and I were talking a little yeah, bit about Mitch. Mitch looked good Saturday. Trubisky, yeah. And, and uh, how uh, my, the thought I had when watching Mitch make some plays, you know, scrambling around, with buying time with his feet and finding the open guy, mm-hmm. which is what, you know, we had all envisioned for him, you know, when he was with the Bears. Oh, yeah. how, how ironic was it that uh, uh, now, you know, Mitch, uh, you know, it look, it's starting to fulfill his promise and whatever, as like year six or whatever, sort of. I mean, he looks good right now. We can't say for sure. But ironic for Ryan Pace that Mitch, Mitch was his signature move, you know, his signature draft pick. And uh, then he uh, – when he finally – when Ryan Pace finally got the chance – to hire his own coach. The coach that he hired was the guy that ruined his best oh, pick. Man. You know, ruined <laughs> oh, his ruined the quarterback. You know how, how that it's like poetic justice. Did, did you all you see know, the footage? Like, so bears. And I'll bring it back to the bears, trust me. Did you see the footage of the Jacksonville fans screaming, You sick fuck at Deshaun Watson? Oh uh, yeah, you sent me that. Yeah, uh, they're just like, You sick fuck. I wish the bear fans were yelling that at Maggie, but yell it, <laughs> but twist it and say, You bald fuck. You bald fuck. <laughs> is that is that the greeting he got? I, I couldn't hear, but I don't know what kind of greeting he got, but he deserved all the booze if he got any. Right. And it was so good to see him in the fucking red and not the bears navy or orange or white or whatever variation of Chicago. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's swag that he could be wearing. I'm glad that he's gone, and hopefully, never see him again. Mm-hmm. That it, um, it, that was this, you know, the the coach that 
Ryan Pace hired to develop his signature draft pick was the coach that got both their asses fired. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Because Matt Nagy clearly is a supreme liar. Right, exactly. He must be like David Koresh if you sit down beside him. You, you sit down, and you're like, this motherfucker might be the son of God. <laughs> but see, that, Hell, I'm going to move to Waco. <laughs> Matt Nagy, you're hired. This is what my complaint is, is that the, the Bears always hire these people who are learning on the job. You know, it's their first time. We did the same thing with, with polls, mm-hmm. you know, and here's the controversy at the start of his career, you know, because you know, we hire these inexperienced people, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, why can't we hire guys who are like, you know, like, well, we hired John Fox and that didn't go well. Yeah. Right. But arguably though, you could argue though, that Fox was brought in to just set the, set the locker room straight, get in the character guys, the lead locker room leaders and stuff. And then he was never going to bring us to, uh, a championship. He was just there to get bring in, you know, uh, the good quality players. Uh, well, let me ask players. you a question then. Entertain my hypothetical. We'll never know the answer, but it's just worth a rhetorical uh, thought. Um, well, hopefully you'll respond, so it won't be rhetorical. But what if in 2018 it's not Matt Nagy? It's actually John Fox with the same team that was assembled with the Mac trade with Trubisky at quarterback. Everything's the same, except you didn't fire John Fox, and he's still the coach. Do the Bears beat the Eagles? Are the Bears in the playoffs? Are they not in the playoffs? Like, That's a good question. I think the uh, the big issue is would he have uh, uh, supported Trubisky enough so that Trubisky could have played at a championship level? You know, when when that one season where Fox coached Trubisky, I think he did a lot of harm to Mitch Trubisky because he preached so much about protecting the ball that Mitch was terrified. If you remember Mitch's first preseason game. Oh, against Denver. Right. He he was slinging the rock. Slinging it around, man. And But then him and Don Loggins kept preaching about, be careful the throws. Don't throw an interception. That will kill us and so forth. The poor guy comes in, his first NFL regular season start against the Vikings. What does he do? He throws a fucking interception. It was late in the game. The Bears could have won that game. And I blame that on the fucking brainwashing that Fox did on Trubisky and not letting him be a man, not letting his balls hang out. But not letting him to be fair him. to Mitch, the next week they won an overtime in Baltimore with the Trubisky pass to Kendall Wright, which set up our favorite kicker to come out and make the field goal. What was his name? The guy that made the, the miss was so bad that oh, – uh, yes. that uh, uh, Fuck, Brenneman. That, uh, he was like, holy Moses. <laughs> Connor Barth. Yeah, Connor Barth. But Connor Barth yeah. made uh, the kick against the Ravens in Mitch's second start. Oh, and Mitch threw right. Mitch had the complete pass to Kendall Wright uh, on third down and 13 to set up the field goal to win the game. Mitch's yeah. second ever start. Jordan Howard like ran all over him though, didn't he? Yeah, and Ma- Jordan's ass was showing too. His fucking crap right. was showing. Right. His <laughs> pants came down a little bit though. But man, that was a great he, he had some uh like Big runs in overtime, I think, right? Didn't he have a huge run? Yeah, he did because we were deep in our own territory and he ran for like 45 yards. Right. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't Jordan, I mean, Jordan Howard had the body, especially with his butt always showing. He kind of looked like he would be our fullback, like in the era of Zonka and Franco Harris. He looked like he'd have been the fullback in like 1974. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Aldo? 
Say, say that again. I'm I sorry. was saying Jordan Howard because his ass was always showing. He looks like he would have been like the Bears fullback oh, whenever yeah. we were playing like Zonka in 73 or something. Yeah. yeah he, he looks he, like he, he's from a different era, fullback from the early 70s. Ro- Ro- Roland Harper. He would have been. Well, I don't know if Roland Harper's ass was always showing. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Walter got a, some good looks at it. <laughs> Isn't it so Jordan. ironic that Walter hated when Harper got taken out of the lineup? Like was so pissed off at Matt Suey by not knowing Suey, but because he was so friends with Harper. But at the end, it would be Matt Suey that would be, I mean, fucking deal, helping his family with his money and everything. You know, I mean, it's just so ironic that again he was so against Matt Suey, and then they would be so tight at the end. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. You had a visitor there, too. Do you want to? Bring yeah. Her the, up? No, the girls were. Uh, come here, girls. All right. We're gonna they're, meet. they're sneaky. Meet they it. wanted to say hi, but I was like, oh, the show's already started. Hi. Oh, look at her. Six-year-old Alita. Hi, Alita. <laughs> she can't hear and us. Four-year-old Camilla. Hi, Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> I want a cutie. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, there's that uh, uh, there's point down that Jamal makes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fox didn't even know they were drafting a quarterback, remember? Yeah, and that, that shows you how dirty how pace can be. How the hell, how the hell, what kind of disconnect do you have to have in an organization to not be on the same page? If Ryan Pace position? if yeah. Ryan Pace really thought that John Fox would go to the media because he didn't want Trubisky drafted, if he couldn't trust him, he should have fired him that season. Um, Wouldn't you think if if he's like well Trubisky he's not the guy to coach Trubisky then why do you give him to him in his rookie year? Yeah. He should have fired him right then and there if he couldn't trust him because all honestly that wasn't fair to Fox. Very true. It wasn't I mean, fair to Fox to do that to him. Yeah, I we've agree, talked, Danny. We've talked about this before. It was the most gutless thing a GM could ever do. I don't want to tell my head coach that I'm drafting a quarterback that he doesn't want. Uh, and, and so I'm just going to draft them. That is such a gutless fucking thing to do. And Fox should have been released from yeah. his deal then right then and there if they thought, well, he doesn't like my quarterback. Well, hire somebody in 17 that does this. Yes. yes. Out of respect for Fox. Right. Fox should have said, fire me. Let, pay me my money and fire me because that was such a dirty fucking thing that you did, you asshole, Ryan Pace. It, it, it's, only, it's so bears, you know, with this like dysfunction. You know, how do you – you know, Pace didn't want the coach. <laughs> the coach, you know, the coach didn't want the quarterback. The pay, the GM doesn't tell the coach that he's drafted. The quarterback didn't want that coach. The quarterback <laughs> didn't want the coach. You know, it's only it only happens <laughs> to the Bears. His oh grandson God. has a large dick. I, my grandson, man, he's got a fucking whopper on him. I'm like, holy shit, man. You didn't get that from me. <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking proud of him. I'm like, go start slaying, brother. Little, little, my little grandson, start the, <laughs> that, swing that thing around. Man. <laughs> uh, typical Bears is right, Zachary. Um, so was these- Cody Parkey, typical Bears. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Definitely. One of these days we'll get the right situation. I don't know if I'll be alive, but you guys are much younger than me, so hopefully you'll see uh, this well, franchise. Uh, I'm not that much younger. You got 15 years. Um, on I got years. another hypothetical question for you. Okay. I'm, I'm all into this tonight for some reason. All right, Aldo. We're heading into Super Bowl 20. I tell you right now, the Bears are going to win that 
that Super Bowl 46 to 10 and look like the best team of all time, look like they're going to win three in a row. You can either have that. And at the same time, the Patriots will go on to be the super dynasty for 20 years. Or let's say you lose Super Bowl 20, the Patriots win, and then you go on to do that in the 2000s and win this five, six Super Bowls. Which one would you have taken? I would have taken the 85 Bears. Me too, me too. (laughs) Yeah, and my reason uh, being that at that time as a Chicago sports fan, we were starved for championships, man. The Bulls were nothing. Uh, The Blackhawks were nothing. The Blackhawks had not won since 1961. The Cubs, of course, since the early 1900s. The White Sox since the 1910s. Now everybody's had one except the Bears. Yeah, exactly. How about that? So uh, we really started. I mean, I, I think I said this before. When we won, I was with a group of friends, and uh, I made the toast, and I just did a one-word toast, finally. And that meant not just for the Bears, but for all Chicago sports teams. I think there was a Chicago Fire soccer championship during my lifetime before the Bears won, but that didn't count. I was not a soccer fan, and I think there were 20 people in the, in the uh, <laughs> watching that championship game for the, for the soccer team. But, yeah, definitely – I'm, I'm just hoping we can experience that again because as uh, Tillman told all, this Bears class uh, when he met with the players about uh, a month ago when they first attended Hallis Hall, he said that this town will love you guys because it is a Bears town. And he's right, but the Bears might start losing their grip on that if they continue their losing ways. I have talked with diehard Chicago Bears fans who are at that precipice right now. A couple of more, two or three more seasons where they look pathetic, they might just say, hey, fuck it. I'm going to buy me a book on Sundays, and I'm going to read that as opposed to watching this trash and wasting my time on this. What do you think about them moving? If they do move too, is that going to hurt some purists? It might. I think a very small minority. I think that the Bears have done due diligence. I get surveys from the Bears all the time. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I think that they've done the research. And the fact that Soldier Field is such a pit, it's a pit to get in and out of. It's a pit to experience a game. Now, the seating, the the, the Dan, you and I sat next to each other. The seating is great. It's a kind of a great venue to watch the game, but stepping out of there and waiting in line for fucking 20 minutes to get a a bottle of water and finding a place to take a piss, trying to find the souvenir shop, finding your car afterwards and stuff. You got to park fucking 15 miles away. Fuck all that, man. We had to get on a school bus. It looked like we're going to jail. (laughs) That's right. Millennium parking. We're going to Rikers Island on the fucking bus. That's right. <laughs> By the way, Dan, when you said something about uh, Matt Nagy, we, uh, fans should have been yelling out, you bald fuck. I immediately thought, I got to get fucking tickets to a Chiefs game Dan, for Dan and me to go, and we just lead the fucking chance. You bald fuck, you fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, man. Or the, even the you sick fuck, the one that Watson got. I, yes. I don't know if he's done anything to be considered sick, but he deserves the insult some way somehow i can justify it what do you think about the fact that goodell appears to want him to get a a full one-year suspension um i'm going to defend watson in the sense that his actions allegedly uh are not defensible Mm -hmm. but he wasn't convicted of a crime they were nonviolent, and he already missed one full season 
maybe that wasn't a mandate, but either way, he already missed one full season of his career. He's basically missing another half season of his career now in what was thought to be his prime. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take two years, oh, you saw what happened to Eddie Goldman. Solid player takes a year off, comes back. He's a scrub. I hate to say it. And, and he left. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's how's that going to affect a quarterback? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's been, I'm not going to say if the stuff is, if he's guilty of all of that, regardless of what his punishment is, it's never going to seem enough. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, I'm not the moral police here. If you're just asking me to talk about his football, he's already suffered a full season without it. He's basically missing another half year now. I think that if he rapes somebody or something, that's different. Asking them to stick a thumb in his ass, reprehensible, yes, but it's not like he forcibly penetrated them either. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Watson's apology? He issued an apology last week saying he apologizes to everyone that he's hurt and so forth. It was almost like a mea culpa. uh, He was told to do it. I mean, everybody knows that. And he probably isn't sorry. He's probably just a complete scumbag and probably just thinks women are there to serve him. Like, I don't know. I don't want to just say that, but he could be the biggest asshole in the world as far as I know. But in terms of the punishment of what he's already suffered, again, he's not been convicted of a crime here. He hasn't even been charged. So I don't know. I I think right where the punishment is, is right where it should be. Considering that he missed the whole last season too. What do you think, Tooch? Yeah, I agree with Dan. I, I, it's, I mean, six games is probably about right. I mean, he he also missed last year, like Dan said. I mean, he, I don't, I don't know how. I, I, first thing I think is like, how old is this kid? You know, I mean, he's probably just immature. You know, I'm not excusing his actions, but people do dumb shit when they're immature. You know, so mm-hmm. maybe he's a sex addict, like David Duchovny. You know, I, that's right. You know, or Dan Aguirre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll take that. <laughs> Better to be a sex addict than an asshole. <laughs> Whatever. I, yeah, I mean, I, and for sure, I mean, like, look, the, like, although you said earlier before, there ain't enough quarterbacks in the league as it is. You know, yeah. there's hard, there's barely 32 of them. You know, mm-hmm. let's uh, I mean, for the sake of at least for uh, a viewership and popularity and clicks or whatever, or, you know, uh, Nielsen ratings, whatever kind of ratings is, you got to have Deshaun Watson playing, especially mm-hmm. in, in a market like Cleveland, where that division's going to be real tough. I mean, you have four really good teams competing for it. You know, might as well. Browns have a good defense. Let's see uh, uh, what, what Deshaun Watson can do in there. That, that division's going to be super competitive, just like the AFC West. You know, so those two divisions are going to be they're really almost up for grabs. Yeah, I feel like it, you know, we say it's oh, it's so bears, but really, it's so browns is the one that really does resonate. And it's so browns to get rid of the guy that won, won your first playoff game since Bill Clinton was president and to bring in uh, an alleged sex predator and pay him all that money and give up all that you did. Wouldn't you? I mean, I my early prediction is that. Whenever Watson plays, he's probably going to fall on his ass in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and they're going to regret this move. Yeah, yeah. He was like one of five, and he came in. He played, looked like shit, but I mean, he hasn't played in what a year and a half. Yeah, so, so it can take a while. Yeah, I, I think in know. like ten years they'll look back at that trade as being like, "Oh, we set the organization back again." Yeah, I mean, Cleveland Browns fans have had it worse 
than Chicago Bears fans. Um, that's a long-suffering franchise. So and they're loyal. Give them credit. They sell out even when they're awful. Yeah. Well, they got, there's nothing else to do that because that fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sucks. <laughs> <laughs> According to Dan Aguilar. It did suck. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go. I apologize for letting you down and not going with you. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go. Let's, let's see. If it, Dan's <laughs> right, though. I mean, it's so it's kind of like there's no flow or anything to it. It's all disorganized. You got stuff here and stuff there. And while a lot of the stuff is really cool to look at, but it could really benefit from having some organization and flow. I don't know what the what the deal is. Why it is no like, rhyme, no reason. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no fucking rhyme or reason why it's in Cleveland. I mean, is Cleveland the birthplace of rock and roll or any significance? Why the fuck is that place in Cleveland to begin with? You couldn't you get think anybody it might be to New go Orleans. There. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wanted to go there because Lake Erie was so fucking polluted. You know, we need to bring someone some uh, some tourism in. Yeah. Uh, is it? Uh, I I can't bring myself to watch Hard Knocks. I have Don Burr's back and says the greatest episode ever. It's the fucking Lions. I don't give a shit. You know, I like hard knocks and shit. I haven't watched it. Have you guys, either of you guys watched it? Yeah, I saw the first one. I was commenting on it earlier. It's fucking ridiculous how they're portraying these coaches. And and Dan Campbell is all fucking talk. I don't think he's a strategist whatsoever. He's about a raw, raw stuff. He's out there doing fucking push-ups with his team. No, that's for the players to do. You're a fucking coach. You should be reading the rule book because last year you didn't even know fucking part of the rules. So this, you know, he's the perfect uh, meathead to have on a show like Hard Knocks. <laughs> I'm going to say if he, if they would be successful, he's their Ditka. Oh, I mean, yeah. and again, I love Ditka, so I'm not going to uh, – he's – I mean, he's got balls, man. The Lions went for it a bunch on fourth down when other coaches wouldn't and stuff. Like, I agree he would be better suited to be your assistant. Mm-hmm. Well, your head coach is, knows the rule book and he's inspiring them in different ways. But to be honest with you, I've only watched one episode of uh, Hard Knocks ever. I watched one of the ones with Gruden when he was, like, knocking, like, knock if you feel me or whatever he said. <laughs> That's the only episode I've ever watched at any point at any year that they've had the show. Should yeah. I be watching it all though, or Dan? Dan yeah. isn't watching it. Is Dan Dan watching it? No, no I've not. watched one episode ever in the history okay. of the show. Yeah, I uh, I just you know, don't give a shit. It's so well produced that from that standpoint, I say if you're a, if you're an NFL fan, I think it's 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 good to watch at least a handful of episodes. Um, it, because they have unbelievable access. Some years are better than, than others. Um, I will say that this season, the episode that I watched was interesting and it's very, again, very well produced, yeah. but you know, I, I think the one that I want to see this year is the in-season hard knocks that starts in November. They'll be following the Arizona Cardinals and that's around the time that team should be imploding. So that should be fun to watch. <laughs> Is that the one on Amazon? Uh, I think no. I think they're going to be on HBO this year. It was on Amazon um, last year, but I, I saw the promo for it on HBO, so I'm assuming it's going to be there. So it is. It is. I, I will urge you guys to at least watch one episode. Uh, maybe we can talk about it next week. Do you think the the Lions will uh, uh, go over the the win total uh, for the season? I mean, I think they're pegged about four wins, five wins. 
that team has so much talent, so much young, promising talent. I am a little bit concerned that they could finish better than the Bears this season. Yeah. But then I look at Dan Campbell and I say, ah, I don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's true. I mean, uh, they they do have some 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 talent. Last year, a lot of their games were decided by like seven points or less. I think they had the most games in the NFL that were decided by seven points or less. So arguably, you know, a, a break here or there could have, uh, the record could have been a lot better, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, here we've got another prediction here, but well, I, I, that, I, that's a reasonable uh, pr- uh, prediction. I will tell yeah. you again, during the era of uh, our friend, Mark Tressman mm-hmm. and John Fox, the bears dropped seven straight games to Detroit. So I never feel too chesty about, beating my chest saying we're so much better than the lions i feel like we're right there with them like brandon marshall once said they were our little brother kind of feel like that's the same thing yeah i, I feel I, like I, they're, the, they're the same as we are except we've got that one shiny super bowl trophy yeah i have a really bad track record of talking shit about a team and then all of a sudden they come out and prove me wrong so I better- is that why green bay has been good for 30 years because you just talk so much shit in the 80s exactly <laughs> Exactly. So I'm going to keep my fucking mouth shut, which is something my wife told me the other day when I was making some crude jokes. Keep your fucking mouth shut. I'm like, honey, I never hear you swear. And she said, well, I'm going to keep keep swearing if you come up with those stupid jokes of yours. Like, okay. If I could, if the bear, let's say the Bears wouldn't win the Super Bowl, which is my number one thing this season, what I want. And I don't care what anybody says. That's what I want as a fan. That's what I hope for. And I'm not giving up hope until it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want them to sh- to shock the world. But if you said there was no chance of that happening, mm-hmm. no way it's ever going to happen this year, mm-hmm. which I don't want to know if that's the case. Like someone come back from the future like Biff and, and ruined it for me or whatever, like back to the future too. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't fucking tell me. But if I had to say the second thing I would want, I want Green Bay to have a losing season. Yeah. With Rodgers starting. Yes. Not like, oh, he broke his collarbone again. I want that motherfuckers to finally fall on his face. Well, you know, if ever there was an offseason for Aaron Rodgers that's trending in that direction, Dan, it's this one. I mean, he's been doing peyote, ayahuasca. Yeah. He's yelling at his receivers. He lost Any his other receiver, player right? would have probably been suspended for that drug shit, too. No shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, how does he escape that, you know? Yeah. I would love to see the Bears' defense just pummel him to the point where he looks like he is on ayahuasca as he's walking off the field. (laughs) (laughs) Although I need to get – while we're talking about wins and and losses for the season totals, I need to get Dan Dan Aguirre riled up here with this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Popped up on my (laughs) DraftKings app. Dan Ross Tucker's favorite win total under the Bears under six and a half regular season. And, and who's Ross Tucker? <laughs> Who the fuck is Ross Tucker? That's Dan. <laughs> it's this guy. Yeah, but who, who's that guy? He's a former <laughs> NFL player who is now a uh, analyst at the NFL Network uh, and does a lot. Of, he does his own podcast, which is fairly popular. He's he's got a popular podcast. Yeah. yeah. But his brother was the better player, I think. Rex Tucker, right? Oh, I didn't know Rex like, Tucker was. I his think player. they're like twin brothers or something. Oh, look at that! But, uh, yeah, no, Ross Tucker. I, I'm actually kind of surprised that Ross Tucker um, has such a popular podcast because he sounds like a meathead. But uh, yeah, I had a page about six, seven wins. I think Dan and I, when you were off, uh, when you were out, uh, I went through the through uh, the games on the Bears schedule and had seven and ten. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, my my bet would lean towards the over, but uh, you know, uh, if this were Rex, best bet is under six and a half. Are we in for a rocky season, Dan? No way, right? If this were Rex Tucker, it would give me a little bit more pause because at least he was a bear. Right. But Ross Tucker, whom I'm, I'm like, who? Uh, fuck what Ross Tucker thinks. Right. I say the Bears are going to win at least nine. At All least right. nine. Tommy the nine, uh, Dan, up on the screen, we've got the schedule there that I designed myself. This is yep. a beautiful nice. schedule. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're going to make me pick nine wins out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. We're beating Green Bay in week two. Yes! Mark it. Wow, nice. Mark it. All right. We're going to beat Lovey. Oh, yeah. Lovey's 0-2 against us. We're going to beat the Giants. Okay. Are those away games, the orange? Uh, orange is on the road, and on white road, okay. is at home. White is at home. Okay. We're going to beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Did you say New York? We're not going to lose against New York, are we? I said New York. Okay. So I'm skipping around, but I'm just going okay. to the obvious ones. So I'm going to say we upset Green Bay week two. Okay. We're going to beat Houston. Okay. Going to beat the Giants. Mm-hmm. Going to beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just skipping around. Like I said, I'm not saying we're losing these other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll beat the Jets. Mm-hmm. Beat the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Let's count? say we... Split one with Minnesota, lose one with Minnesota. Split one with Detroit, lose uh, with one with Detroit. That's eight wins there. Mm-hmm. And let's say we beat, I mean, it could be Miami, could be San Francisco, could be Dallas, any of those, and you got nine. could be Philly. Yeah. So I, I've already given you nine right there. Yes, you have. All right, here's, here's my thinking. Then, Tuch, I want you to jump in. I really, really believe – with some luck that we can steal that game week one against the 49ers. Trey Lance does not fucking impress me whatsoever. He's, you know, that could be a game where that defense is going to score a couple touchdowns. I agree with Dan that on Sunday night football, it is finally going to be that moment where the bears just fuck Rogers up. We're going to be two and zero, three and zero, beating lovey four and zero, beating the giants. We lose our first game at fucking U.S. Bank Stadium against the Minnesota Vikings. But we come back a few days later and we beat the shit out of Captain Jack, Ron Rivera. We're 5-1 and one in the first third of the season. How amazing is that? Then things start to uh, uh, go poorly as we lose two in a row to the Patriots and the fucking Cowboys. Two well, let me interrupt you there just for a second. Okay. And in the last like 10 years, we usually beat Dallas. Yes, we have had like Jay beat them repeatedly in mm-hmm. Dallas over mm-hmm. and over and over. It just and we beat them with uh Josh McCown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, Mitch beat them. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, well, Dallas, man, fuck, Dallas should be looking at the Bears saying that's an L. We always beat Dallas. Fuck it, we're going 17 and all, baby. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not it. saying Dallas couldn't can't beat us. But overwhelmingly, I'd say out of the last 10 times, we've won like eight of them. Yeah. I know this, man. We could we could win 10 games. Uh, the Lions, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't beat the Lions two, two games. The, the, the Packers, I really do believe this could be the year that we beat them twice. The divisional games are the most important to me. So you got them in the playoffs too, it sounds like. Uh, today and then after I wake up af- after my hangover, I'll say, "Fuck, it's gonna be a losing season." <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you think, Tooch? Uh, where'd you guys put the ayahuasca? Just 
It's in Wisconsin. <laughs> I need a hit off that. <laughs> no. uh, I had him at seven wins. I mean, I think they could beat the 49ers in, in week one with Trey Lance. That'll be a good game, though. I think it'll be close. They, they sure can steal the Packers, like take them by surprise. But, I, I mean, it's hard to win up there. So, I probably, you know, I, Lovey, that's probably a win. At home versus Lovey. Mm-hmm. That should be a win on the road at the Giants. Man, I, I, I'll take the Bears in that one, but I, you, they got a new coaching staff too. I just don't think they have a uh, good enough quarterback talent, but we'll see. I mean, that, that's a good offensive coach mm-hmm. up there in the uh, Giants. And then you know uh, the Vikings will probably win at home against us. I think I think we take the Commanders. I'm they're nothing. And then, like you said, it's going to be tough to win on the road two games in a row. But could they beat the Cowboys? Sure. Cowboys aren't that good. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Dolphins, man, uh, the Dolphins always beat us. Man. They do. Well, no, we beat them in Miami, but they beat us up here typically. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's going to be I, – I could see, like, you know, they've got some real speed at wide receiver. They've got great uh, running backs too. And their defense is okay. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, As I, I told you, too. The Lions, yep. Hold on. The Bears haven't beaten Miami in Chicago since opening day 88. Yeah. Well, we're doing it this year, Aldo. We're doing it because we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that says losses. San Francisco, Minnesota, Green Bay, New England, Dallas, Miami, Detroit, Philadelphia, Buffalo split in the division. Maybe if field stays healthy, eight and nine is his prediction. You know, I think, you know how Lovey said, said uh, we divide the season into quarters. Now sure. I like – saying let's divide it into thirds because it looks better with, with my graphic. I think they can win three games in each of those third seasons. So that's nine victories. Um, Boom. That's what I said. Uh, yeah, you're right, Van. Yeah. And look, if you look at it that way, it's, I mean, in, in that first group, you got the Texans, the Giants, and the Commanders. That, right, that right. Probably that's three. Mm-hmm. Then you got the uh, uh, Falcons, Jets, and possibly the Cowboys or Lions. The Lions at home, the Falcons on the road. We should beat the yeah. Falcons on the road. Should beat Miami at home too. You should. Even yeah. though it hasn't happened in forever, right. it's it should happen. So in week 9, 10, 11, 12, you got to find three victories there. And as yeah. you guys said, you know, those two road games, uh week 7 and 8, those are going to be tough. So let's just say there those are losses. I think you could win three out of those four and maybe <laughs> even all four in that uh week 9. <laughs> that last game. group I'm struggling to find three wins though. <laughs> <laughs> See, my thinking here though, Dooch, is that you know, by this, by this time, this Bears team should be playing at a really high level. This 2022 season is going to be one of those seasons where you see the Bears are knocking on the door. They're getting better week by week by week. So they're definitely going to beat the Vikings and, and the Lions. Yeah. That's definite. And so Kirk the- Cousins playing us in the snow, maybe. Yeah. While we're there, we're going to be there. That's right, baby. <laughs> and then week 15 is the key one. They're coming off a bye, so they would have had 10 days to prepare for the Eagles. So that's where that third victory is coming in that uh, third. And they should beat Detroit. They should. I'm not saying they will, but they should beat Detroit. It's going to be up there in, in the climate-controlled dome. Mm-hmm. You know, in theory, they could beat Detroit, Minnesota, and Philly right there. On paper, they should lose to Green Bay and Buffalo, but that Green Bay game's in Chicago. So may, I know we've only beaten Rodgers at home twice, but if the team's getting better, it's time to beat him at home. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we beat Green Bay in Green Bay? The last time we went with Chicago. Jay Cutler. 
Yeah, yeah in 2015. Yeah. That was that was a sweet victory, man. That was great. They scheduled us like homecoming. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Seven, <laughs> seven years were were due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is. Uh, I well, mean, Christmas Day. Our Christmas is gonna suck because fucking the Bills are gonna trounce us, man. Well, you don't know that Josh Allen could be off. <laughs> if, could if be he's hurt. injured, yeah, hurt or whatever, yeah. But he could have the worst game of the season. Yeah, but on paper right now, the Bills look like a Super Bowl quality. Yeah, team. for sure. And the Bears yep. were not there. So, <laughs> yeah, that shut Dan up. Like, okay. Well, no, I'm just saying I agree with that. But, fuck, you're telling me we're going to play in December? Like, anything could happen between now and December. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Buffalo could be one of those teams. Every year there's a team. How many years in the last decade has ESPN predicted the Cowboys – to win the Super Bowl or to be a part of the Super Bowl or some shit, and they go six and ten. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this yeah. could happen in Buffalo. It could be like, oh, they read their own press clippings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, they no thought way. that they were so <laughs> great, and then suddenly, you know, the Patriots win the AFC East. Mm. If I told you Buffalo, would, I mean, hell, they struggled at various points last year, and then came on at the end, like they were yeah. like in midseason, they were disappointing early on last season. So I'm just saying, if I told you Belichick found a way to beat Buffalo in that division, would you really be like, "Oh, that's improbable"? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the talent level on Buffalo, though, man, right now, it's you know, you got some really the defense is fucking. That's gonna be one of fucking good defense up there. I mean, we'll uh, see. They, they they probably had like a 99 out of 100 percent chance to win that playoff la- game last year and managed to shit it away. Mm-hmm. After they scored with like eleven seconds to go, and they still fucking lost. That 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 you know they always say that the team that loses the Super Bowl comes back the next year at the hangover. Imagine if you lost that playoff game mm-hmm. and lost it the way that they did. You know what I mean? Like I I was listening to that. I had to go to Kroger for some reason. I forget why, but I was listening to it on satellite radio, and I was like, "Fuck, they scored it." Buffalo's going to win it. I go in the score and I store and I come back and they fucking lost. What? <laughs> it's amazing. You're right. You're right. You're There's right. like 11 seconds left. There's no way Kansas City wins, right? Mm-hmm. 12 seconds. What was it? Was it 12? Yeah. 12. No way. That was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. That, yeah, it was amazing. That well, how about played. Atlanta being up 28 to 3 on the Patriots in the Super Bowl? No way New England's coming back to win, right? Mm-hmm. What happened? That's what I'm saying. Like, you never know. The NFL truly is to steal the WWF's uh, slogan from 1994. Anything can happen in the NFL. Yep. You know, uh, David Cobb asks a good question. New England is fucking overrated now. You know, I agree. Yeah. I, I, let's get back to that fucking schedule. I'm, I'm saying that's a win too, man. We got four wins. We're now at 10, yeah. baby. Well, <laughs> they're, be- they're beatable. I'll say that they're beatable, but we haven't beaten them since 2000. Yeah, but that was with Tom Brady. So No, no, no. That was with Drew Bledsoe. (laughs) (laughs) The last time we beat them was with Drew Bledsoe. We never beat Brady until he was in Tampa. That's what Uh, I meant. When was the last time we won on Monday Night Football, though, too? They won a lot of games on Monday night with Cutler there. Yeah, that's true. Cutler was like 80% wins on Monday night. Yeah, and you've got 10 games to prepare for that Patriots game. That's a fucking win, man. 
I'm sorry. Fuck the Patriots. <laughs> but in recent times, They're beatable for sure. In recent times, I'll take you back. They had that big snowstorm in Chicago in 2010. New England comes there and wins like what, 38 to fucking three. Uh, oh, let's rewind the Erlacher game in 06. That happens in New England. 10 to snow, and the Patriots blow us out in Soldier Field. 14. That's the game. It was like 51 to three with Lamar Houston celebrating the sack. And then in 18, they lose by half a yard when Kevin White caught the Hail Mary and he just, oh, he didn't get in. Why are you depressing me? I was feeling happy. <laughs> but that Kevin White thing, if he'd have scored, do you think if he'd have scored there, that changes his whole trajectory as a bear? Probably not, but maybe. I mean, the guy never got a fucking break. I feel so bad for Kevin White, man. He caught that pass, though, yeah. a half yard short. It's like the fucking oil, or not the Oilers, the Titans in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just a pubic hair away from tying the game, and you lose. Mm -hmm. I'm oh. with you, man. I'm, I'm with you. It's fucking pathetic what's happened with this franchise. <laughs> <sighs> All right, guys, we got about 10, 15 minutes left. Uh, Dan, you seen anything? on the tv tube that you want to share with our uh, i've been too busy uh the two things i did watch in recent days mm -hmm. uh one i watched for the first time in more than 20 years i watched uh shivers oh man great cronenberg movie david cronenberg did that i don't love it didn't hate it mm -hmm. and i liked it better this time than i than i did back then mm -hmm. back then i thought it was um just too like PG 13 ish with the nudity and stuff. Mm -hmm. If the movie is about you're uncontrollably fucking everything, whether that be uh, homosexuality or pedophilia or whatever, or fucking old people, whatever you're just, you get a virus and you get so horny, then there should be a lot more goddamn nudity is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was okay. I liked it, you know, but, uh, the, the other thing that I watched, I'll also say was okay, but I will give you uh, that I thought I was uh, disappointing. The finale of Westworld season four was extremely disappointing in my book. The whole season is in its entirety was okay. There was the worst of the four, but it was okay. But the finale, I won't spoil because I assume Tooch isn't there yet. I, I thought the finale uh, was underwhelming and it looks like there's going to be a season five, and they've teased it going back to the West World of season one. That's the only spoiler that you'll get. But I thought West World's uh, finale was very underwhelming for me. Uh, uh, Tooch told me before the show that he's just yeah. given up on West World. Fuck West World. I've had, I'm, I think I'm three episodes in. I've had to watch each episode twice because I'm lost. It's like fucking. You know, don't you know, you know a so lot of hard. times, like. I agree with you on that. It's like sometimes sometimes you have like a David Lynch mm -hmm. kind of thing where he gets it's almost he gets off on the fans being confused mm -hmm. and refuses to tell what he thinks and stuff. But I don't think that the Westworld creators anywhere near as uh, bright as say David Lynch. So I think at this point they're just throwing to use a cliche throwing shit against the wall. Mm -hmm. and, and trying to make it convoluted so that you're like, oh, but really, it's it's great because I don't understand. It's like Twin Peaks or something like that. But in the end, it's like they're intentionally trying just to make you not understand it, but almost disingenuously because they're 
hiding the fact that their show's kind of running out of gas. Yeah. But Did, go it was okay. It was okay, but go ahead. I was just going to ask, uh, you. both of you saw Breaking Bad, right? Or, I maybe? saw season one and I didn't like it. Okay. I, I haven't watched it. Okay. My wife watched it by without me, so I never, I was like, fuck, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, it's an outstanding show, and the sequel, Better Call Saul, uh, had their season finale. I gave up on Better Call Saul after season one just because, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I don't know why I did, but I Because I of the want, foot fetish of Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to binge it now that it's over, and so many people are saying it was very good, and so I do want to give it a, a, a shot. But, Dan, I really do – encourage you to go and 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 to watch watch breaking bad it really is one of the most outstanding tv series it's up there with mad men sopranos i just uh, didn't like the first season i just couldn't dig it man i don't know why i didn't i thought it was completely unlikely and implausible that this boy and this school teacher would team up to to make meth or whatever the fuck they were doing i just no way it's not implausible that shit happens all the time i just i didn't like it i i don't know man i tell you a show that also that everybody else loves that I just can't get into. And they're, they're binging this shit at my job. Now all the women are, and I, I hated it because my wife watched it and I just didn't like it. I hate orange is the new black. I just fucking hate it. Yeah. That's one. That it's I so fucking unbelievable, implausible. The shit that happens on that show. Yeah. And we work in law enforcement. Everyone there should be shitting on it. <laughs> it might as well just be a cartoon. I fucking hate that show. Zach thinks you're just a contrarian. <laughs> I'll tell you if there's shit I like, and that shows it's not what I like. I, I have to uh, agree with you on Orange is the New Black, uh, and Cliff agrees that with that too, is that I, I didn't like the first season. I gave up on it afterwards. Part of the reason I didn't like it is that I didn't find any of the characters likable. Um, and so... You know, and, and then every once in a while, when uh, subsequent seasons, I'd read stuff like, wow, this character is great on Orange. And I keep thinking to myself, should I give it another shot? You know, the critics like it. I hear a lot of good things, but I've never gone back to it. And I don't plan to. Yeah, I, I just didn't dig it, man. Tooch, you saw something that uh, you thought was pretty good. Yeah, I saw a uh, show that everybody watching this podcast should watch because the fucking name of the show is called the bear <laughs> you know it's really good man it's on uh fx hulu mm-hmm. and uh it's it's set in chicago it's shot on film it's like a movie each episode's like shot like a movie mm-hmm. it's really good man it's it's in a comedy it's like a, it's a dramedy okay you know, it's got it's comedy it's drama more drama but it has a lot of funny moments as well too it's got a cast of characters, you know, and it's uh, it takes place in like a Mr. Beef, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Beef. Uh, oh, yeah. I yeah. love Mr. Beef. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. And, uh, you know, he inherits this shop. Yeah, this is it. Great cast. That's the guy from cast. Shameless, right? Shameless. Yeah. Yep. Jeremy Allen White. He's excellent in it, man. He's like the main character of the chef. He inherits mm-hmm. the beef shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great, man. It's just it's really good. You know, there's all Chicago stuff. The soundtrack is great. It's got a lot of great tunes, man. Uh, some stuff I had a Shazam on. Look at Wilco. A lot of Chicago bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Got great shots of Chicago. Uh, and there's, I watched it in three days. It's only eight episodes. I really got into it, man. So there's some good drama, some 
some good uh, uh, storytelling, and the acting is fantastic. This looks really good to me. I got to check this out. Yeah, it's excellent. The one man. guy they just showed on the trailer there was uh, from HBO show Girls. Uh, oh, toward yeah, the yeah. end, I, I enjoyed that show a lot. I know a lot of people didn't, but yeah, I, I like did. that show too, Dan. Yeah. Oh, it, it, I, I, one more thing to tell you I watched before I go. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this extensively last year when Aaron was on here, but HBO last year had their Woodstock 99 documentary, which we watched and talked about. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Netflix has one now oh, called yeah, Trainwreck, and I watched it in the middle of the night last week, and it's way less uh, fun. I don't want to say fun, but the HBO one was extremely uh, head and shoulders above the one on Netflix, in my opinion. For nor this the little things about it that I hate. Like they they portray the Red Hot Chili Peppers as being the closing band of the whole thing, and that's not accurate. Again, I wasn't Shane Moore, so I was at the event, but I was watching live on pay per view, and recorded the whole three days. All I had like eighteen VHS tapes, recorded the whole damn thing, and Megadeth closed the festival. A small thing, small thing I get. But if you're doing a documentary, then get your fucking facts straight. Absolutely. That kind of shit bothers me. Is, is Dan a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan? No, no. Not but really. I mean, they're okay. I don't dislike them. I wouldn't necessarily. Right. Have I ever told my Red Hot Chili Peppers story? I'm, I don't think nope. I have. No. Nope. Fucking. I was uh, <laughs> I was at Spring Break Daytona Beach in 1989. You know, like my, you know, three, three of my friends from college, we drove down there. And uh, we're like hanging out on the beach, you know, getting drunk and stuff. And there was a, an airplane. You're starting to band. sound like that Kid Rock song all, all summer long. <laughs> there, there was an airplane flying uh, over and it said Red Hot Chili Peppers live on the pool deck of the Texan Hotel. So we were like, fuck, let's go over there, man. We got out. We got there, man. I was standing right in front of the stage, man. I was right there. I got, it was Mother's Milk was the album, which was a great album. And I got to watch uh, the Chili Peppers play, man. That horn section is fucking killer. And I stood right in front of Flea, man. I was like 10 feet from the dude. They had fucking all around, too, on the side. There were gorgeous Florida babes and bikinis dancing, man. I was fucking, it was the best concert I've ever seen. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> well, gentlemen, on that note, I got to go. I uh, had fun. Uh, as always, uh, I got to piss so bad. That's why I'm leaving a few minutes early <laughs> and uh, before I go to work. But uh, I got to work till four o'clock tomorrow. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm miserable. But you all made it better. Congratulations on your grandson and the thing we talked yeah. about off air prior to. Thank you me. have my deepest empathy, sympathy, condolences, and love, man. I'm sorry. Thank you, brother. Love you. Right. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye, guys. And then there Better were two, Johnny Santucci and Aldo. <laughs> there were socks and their dicks. <laughs> yeah. the, they were famous for coming out with just wearing socks on their dicks. You know, uh-huh. naked, naked, yeah. <laughs> the Chili Peppers. I saw them a bunch of times when I was in college. Uh-huh. Shit, yeah, it was a blast. But uh, somebody put on. Uh, oh, I, I got to talk one more thing. I watch. I've been. I told you I've been. I've been like watch sh- introducing my wife to these classic movies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh we watched 48 hours like eddie murphy's first i saw it know, about a month ago yeah she really enjoyed it and uh i go wow let's let's watch let me pick a movie that you probably never saw it's an old movie i i love this film it's an alan parker films called the commitments 
Don't know if you've ever seen it before. I but... now remember that. Yes, Alan Parker, the famous. Uh, right. he, he made a lot of great movies. A lot of great movies. A great film with a great soundtrack. It's so killer. It's like about a poor Irish kids in Dublin who form a soul band. Yes. You know, it's like the ending is great. They like reach this height and the denouement is delicious. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, it's so, the music is fucking fantastic. Oh my you gosh. Know, the build up to like where they're going to like jam with Wilson Pickett at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. you know, and all the characters. The music's fantastic, and the fights and the yeah. you know, coming together, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah, I have got to look for that again because that would be outstanding. To it really I'm holds up too. Movie. It holds up well. You know, if you watch it again, it's yes. bittersweet. You know, and good call, good call. What else have good. you shared with her that uh, a movie from yesteryear that uh, that uh, she enjoyed? Uh, I, I recently watched with my two toddlers the Wizard of Oz, you know, and they oh. got a kick out of it too. They were just like, you know, because that, yeah, the graphics, you know, are kind of like, you know, looking at it today, yeah. but still they loved it, you know, with the. Uh, with everything you know it's still like fantasy for them and stuff but uh, that's a that, movie that well i think will hold up for king to kingdom come because it, you know yeah you can laugh at the uh, effects and and, yeah. and some of the hollywood filmmaking <laughs> of, of the day but the story still holds up so well it's a beautiful sure. fairy tale and judy garland is just fantastic at it and yep. those the guy that played the the scarecrow and uh the tin man and the and uh cowardly lion those guys were, were great actors so yeah that's yeah. A, that's a good one for kids yep and uh you know they love toto of course you mm -hmm. know the, uh but yeah i haven't uh watched uh anything yet with my wife you know we were at the state fair mm -hmm. you know, oh, over cool. the weekend and stuff I, I introduced my wife to bluegrass music which mm -hmm. you know she didn't know being from the philippines i like this is traditional american music you know and it was like all senior citizens playing you know bluegrass Right. You know, they were fucking awesome, dude. I got some like video and stuff. You know, you had a fiddle player, banjo, mandolin, acoustic guitar, and an upright bass. Mm -hmm. And they all sang and they had a beautiful, uh, you know, like barbershop quartet harmonies and stuff. It was fucking kick ass. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was free concert in this in this old barn called Pioneer Hall mm -hmm. on the Iowa State Fairgrounds. So it was really great. But uh, uh you know, we were, you were talking about David Cronenberg, right? I'm 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 itching to see Crimes of the Future, which is his newest one. Yeah. Do you know uh, the movie I'm talking about? Um, I think I'm pretty sure I read something about it, but I'm forgetting. Remind me. It sounds fucking disgusting. But it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it takes place in the near future where um, human beings have uh, mutated due to pollution and climate change or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're uh, have gone through body modifications. And uh, Vigo Mortensen is the star. He's documenting his surgeries and his his decline into death, you know, through uh, video, you know, as he is an artist, yes. you know, and all of his body modifications and surgeries. And I, it, it's fast. It's most fascinating, fascinates me and disgusts me. So I don't know. I'm going to have to check it out as soon as I can. But yeah, uh, that I mean, anything Cronenberg does. Uh, even his bad stuff, I want to check out because he's just such a fascinating filmmaker. Um, what you know, I'm not a big Marvel fan, but I do have to admit that I am interested in watching uh, the new series that's coming out, uh, She Hulk. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yep, because of too. her, she's fantastic. She was a star of Orphan Black, okay. uh, a, a show where she played multiple <laughs> characters, 
And the fact that she's starring as She-Hulk to me makes this a, a fucking must-see for me. I'm at least going to give it two or three episodes. Hopefully it starts off strong. Um, and she's sexy and, and the concept is interesting. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check this out. I think it, it starts streaming later this week. Those Marvel TV shows, they're like always unexpected things happen in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the Wanda wanda vision that was like i was like i don't like this and then all of a sudden i was like whoa this is a real mind mind fuck you yeah, know i've not seen that i i i, I think yeah. i'm give that a shot too because yeah the Haw- hawkeye one was great with jeremy renner and uh Haley stanfeld that, that was just you know pure entertainment that was really good uh you know I, yeah. the thing about Mar- watching marvel stuff is that i if you know, like I'll start watching this, I'm I'm just afraid that I'm gonna miss some of the references because I haven't watched the fucking 500 other Marvel movies, and I know they they you know they make reference to other stuff, and yeah. I I hate being out of the joke or or you know not in on the gag or whatever it is, but, sure. But I'm still really interested in this, and Tatiana Maslany, the 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 actress here. Oh, is like, that who that is? Yeah, she's yeah, fucking hot. She is hot, hot, and and just a, a really, really versatile performer. She can pull off anything, so I'm interested in her career. Yeah, she was the one in uh, uh, that remake of Perry Mason. Oh, which is another series I yeah, want to watch. That was really good too. Yeah, that uh, that was on HBO like a uh, year. Or you're two. like always hoping that Perry and her get together. Okay. You know, throughout the whole series, it's, the tension's really good. So, was um, the character's name Bell Star or something like that in P- the Perry Mason show? I can't remember. Uh, that was doesn't matter. No, uh, no, that was another girl. But the, there was uh, the girl who was the subject of the investigation. One of the one of the ca- the case the main case that went through this first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moon Knight was another one that was like a mind fuck, you know. But uh, yeah, I got to answer J Rock's question here. He asked, "Do do I like muscle bound women?" You know, I I uh, I never was really turned on by that. But then I was at an event uh, back in the early '90s. Uh, I went down to Disney World as part of a CBS. Where they were we were doing some taping there, and then they they did a uh, Disney threw a party for all the TV producers and cameramen and, and celebrities that were down there. And I went to the party, and. Uh, I went down there with a few friends that because I was able to take some guests with me and this beautiful looking muscle bound woman picked up one of my friends and this guy was 200 pounds rock solid and she picked him up and started holding him like that. I started taking pictures. I started to get turned on. <laughs> so ever since then, yes, the answer is yes. Most yeah. of women are kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, they're all right, man. I, I used to, when I lived in the city, I used to work out at this place called the Bucktown Fitness Club. The Bucktown? Bucktown Fitness Club. You know, Buck-T-T? Buck. Oh, <laughs> it's like by Wicker Park area. You know that oh, area? Yeah, West, West Town. Town. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I live West there. Town. <laughs> but yeah. I used to work out there and there was this really hot French chick who, who would give me, you know, train was one of the trainers there. I used to uh, take some training with her and stuff. And she had a fucking great ass too, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, uh, she was hot. She was an older lady, probably. I don't know. I was maybe like late twenties or uh, late twenties, mm-hmm. but she was probably, I don't know, forties. So it's like, not only she had the milf thing going, but she had the nice, uh, you know, yeah. Build and, and ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember once my wife and I went to a health club. Uh, we were going to enroll, and, and uh, so 
this woman starts uh, showing us around. This is where this is. This is where that is. And she had a fantastic body. And my wife, she, the woman was walking in front of us. My wife looked at her ass and said to me, I wish I had an ass like that. And I looked at her and said, I wish you had an ass like that. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I definitely like anybody that's in shape, uh, which is why I hate myself right now because I'm so badly out of shape. Anyone in shape, I have appreciation for. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, Mo Beerman had a had a stand at the Iowa State Fair. Wow! You know, he had a concession stand, man. That was my. I went Sunday, you know, uh, and had you know, I got a couple things. Uh, my, I usually get the Cajun's chicken on a stick. It's fucking awesome. It's like uh, beer battered chicken, but the batter has like Cajun seasoning in it. So it's kind of reddish. Oh, nice. And then it has like uh, pickles and onions on a, it's like a kebab. Mm-hmm. And it's all like beer battered deep fried. It's fucking killer. <laughs> and then uh, uh, they had a, they had a new one. It's like a Vietnamese stand with Vietnamese. There's a lot of Vietnamese population in Des Moines. Wow. And uh, they had a, a pork belly, like bao buns. You know, it was like a banh mi, a little miniature banh mi on one of those bao buns or like a soft dough. It was really good. And then, uh, of course, you got to get the corn dog. Oh, yeah. You know, corn, corn dogs are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, some other ice cream stuff. There's a lot of good ice cream places and stuff. I was but, like a blast, uh, man. I'm supposed to get kettle corn. I'm going to have to check it out. That was up on the hill where I was seeing the, the bluegrass band. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that bluegrass uh, thing sounds fantastic. It was great, man. It was like a couple songs brought a little tear to my eyes because I was enjoying it so much. And then, you know, they did a song called the Iowa Waltz, which they they were talking about the uh, origin of the song and how they thought it should be the state song. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. then they played this beautiful version of it and stuff. It was great. My my two girls were dancing in the front of mm-hmm. the stage. You know, and it was mostly senior citizens there. And they were like, oh, as they were walking off, they were like, oh, your kids are so cute. You know, we have fun, you know, watching them dance and stuff. They're doing their little, you know, yeah, yeah. dances and stuff. Because when you're that age, you don't care. You know, you dance like you don't care. You know, mm-hmm, indeed. Four, four and six years old, they don't care. They don't care that people are watching them, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, it was time to pull the plug on this episode of Dan and Aldo. Um, I hate to... Uh, uh, leave so early. You know, we yep. usually go to eleven in this segment, but I got stuff yep. to do in the morning, and yep. uh, I want to let I people. I made I made a reservation after this to have sex with my wife, so I gotta. Nice. So, <laughs> I have to make reservations. That's where we are at this. Yeah. But you get the kids to bed. Yeah. This is the time. You know, I'll meet you there. Well, <laughs> but I'd like for you to do don't don't shoot video, just audio. I want to hear you. <laughs> my wife would kill me, but. <laughs> Oh, uh, my free play one though. There tonight, you I don't have to fantasize then. Yeah, <laughs> my, my free play one tonight it was the Cubs and Nationals over eight and a half. They scored twelve runs. Oh, nice! I had been doing pretty good. I mean, I, I had like a couple bad days, but man, yesterday was six and one. Mm-hmm. Today is looking good. You had the uh, White Sox and Astros under seven and a half. Mm-hmm. That one they just finished at seven runs. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Justin Verlander and Dylan Cease, two of the best pitchers in the American League, going. You know, that was uh, an easy pick, too, for uh, over and under. But uh, still doing the free play. If you guys, that's where you can find me on Twitter. You want to get a free play and uh, check me out on Twitter. At John Santucci VIP. And if you don't know how to spell Santucci, it is S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. So at John Santucci VIP. <laughs> Retro's, Retro's on fire tonight, man. He's had some good ones tonight, man. 
<laughs> we gotta bring retro on uh yeah. on the show that would be uh tons of fun so retro let me know when you're still there <laughs> live um, we'll do some ayahuasca <laughs> yeah you know we gotta have a show where we have just a bunch of guys on here true barroom uh atmosphere so uh, we could do that like for an hour segment of the show so um let's plan on doing that real fucking soon uh lots of great stuff happening here at the barroom tomorrow what do we got going on tomorrow it's bar down hockey those guys aren't talking hockey anymore there's no hockey they're just talking great sports stories uh and lots of funny stuff that's at 2 p.m central and then it is the mac and reed show they've got a lot of thoughts on uh the chicago bears and that's going to be an interesting one hour show uh at 9 p.m the science fiction guys are going to talk about some of the latest stuff from Marvel. Uh, so if you're a Marvel fan or just a science fiction fan, tune in uh, for them. Uh, if you have not seen the Bear Debate show that we taped yesterday, I really highly recommend that. I'm really proud of where that show is going. And we've got some great guests lined up for future the Bear Debate shows. So um, that's going to be outstanding. And one of the things that I would love to do, if I have the time, I would love to do more of these the Bear Debates. Right now, they're kind of just scheduled for uh, one a week. Uh, but I would love to do maybe more than one a week because they're just fun, you know, but, bringing people. But Tooch, you could debate. That was you know, Ill, like, Ill Will was the last one. And, yeah, uh, Ill Will. Uh, I love yeah. that, dude. I, he, we are a mutual follow on Twitter. I've, I've, I interact with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've interacted with him quite a bit in the in the past. Uh, yeah, yeah love, very knowledgeable. Yes, I love his. Uh, if you're not following Ill Will on yeah, he's social media, you really should because he's got great takes on stuff and he does yep. a lot of tape study and stuff. So he's got some credible uh, opinions on stuff. Really good. So he was uh, in the first episode and uh, this last one that we did, uh, and he faced Aaron Current from the Barfly Tailgate Show in episode one, and then the one that we did yesterday uh, was uh, Swift from Swift Sports Network, right? And our guy. Um, um, uh, Mr. Shorty from Bear Country, Bear Country podcast. So all, 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 all two of those one-hour shows, all, all, uh, all the little shows have good shelf life. So you can watch them later this week or next week, and the information is still pretty much pertinent. And uh, and I put a lot of time into the production values on that. So I, I really uh, am proud of where that show is going to. So hopefully, if I can find more time, I'd like to do more of those and and invite some of the people in the chat and other people to be a part of that uh, and just debate and have some fun. So uh, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on um, what else did I want to share about what we're doing here on the network? Uh, Well, we got some more surprises coming and the best way to keep on top of everything is to subscribe to our Barroom Network YouTube channel and to follow me on Twitter at Barroom Network. Retro is managing our Facebook page. He's putting up all sorts of cool stuff uh, and, and, exclusive stuff that you won't find on our Twitter page or on YouTube, just stuff that's for our Facebook audience. And that's growing. He's doing a fabulous job. So really proud of uh, uh, Johnny Santucci, Dan Aguirre, all of the guys uh, from the Barroom Network doing just a fantastic job. Uh, we got to get off the air because that blue pill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> blue chew. Is that, yeah. <laughs> wasn't Lauren Cox do the blue chew commercial? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I listened to Lockdown Bears the other day. There was a, a blue chew commercial and I was very disappointed. <laughs> so maybe they, they lost their heart on. <laughs> it's either it's either blue chew or manscaped, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those are the big podcast promoters now. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, make sure uh, that you let people know about what the Dan and Oliver show is all about. It is a stupid, silly show. We have lots of laughs, though, and so hopefully uh, you've enjoyed it and we'll share the news with others. We're here every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central. Thanks, Retro. Thanks, Dan Aguirre. Thanks, Dan Aguirre. Dan Aguirre. Yeah, that, I got that right. Thanks, John Santucci. Uh, and we'll all see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>for listening to Dan and Aldo bear their souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomfe. Bear down. <laughs>